Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from a mysterious glass house discussing the 2001 supernatural horror film, 13 Ghosts. This film was directed by Steve Beck with a screenplay by Neil Marshall Stevens and Richard Dovidio from a story by Rob White. Loosely based on the 1960 William Castle film of the same name, 13 Ghosts chose to modernize and update the story. While this film was not hailed as a box office or critical success, the designs of the ghosts brought to life by KNB EFX Group has cemented it in the hearts of many horror fans. This film was requested to us by friends of the show Molly Gerhardt, Carissa, Itzy M, Sophie Hodson, Noreen S, Michelle Moore, Towton Watson, Jimmy Comer, and Spooky Susie Sparkle on Instagram. This film was also the winner of our October Patreon poll, so thank you to all of our patrons who participated and voted. If you want to help us pick an episode, join us over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash thepodmortem. So, what did you guys think of 13 Ghosts the first time you saw it? I remember watching this movie. I was like 16 or 17 when it came out, Mm -hmm. and um, I loved it. Uh Like it, It was great. Again, I was a teenager, you know, and 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 I still I still really like the movie. I I remember loving it when I first seen it. Watching it now as an adult, now that I'm older and uh, for the show, uh-huh. uh huh. I can understand why some people don't, you know, wouldn't like this movie. <laughs> I <laughs> I get it. I uh-huh. I get it. Um, you know, but uh, I watched it a lot, <laughs> <laughs> so I really like this movie. There is, I mean, there is that nostalgia for it. Nay and I watched it as kids. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Um, you said the first time we watched is what you're asking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, at 10, I was like, wee! Like, yeah. it's a fun fucking ride. <laughs> right. Right? Uh, Steve Beck on commentary, he said, this is a roller coaster movie. It is. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's escapism. Don't don't dig. Yeah. <laughs> no, turn your brain off and just yes, enjoy it. Because unfortunately for the show, I had my brain switched to on. But <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will say. I will say that I I had fun. Yeah. I think that the creature design is fantastic. Oh yeah. It's fu- it's top shelf. The production design's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, say more good things. <laughs> well, Matthew Lillard. <laughs> Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Yes, I appreciate him and Beth Davids. Um, uh, Tony Shalhoub's in there. Yeah, Shalhoub. Yeah, Shalhoub. Yeah, Monk. Yeah, yeah Monk. Yeah. I think he was. Was he on the show already? Because I know he won like a Golden Globe like right after this movie came out, which is kind of interesting. Goddamn! What yeah. did he win for this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Our respect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I craft services. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I do want to call out because this is one of those movies that I absolutely understand because of when we watched it, mm-hmm. the love that this film will garner for decades to come. Oh yeah. But I do have to say, um, as a film, I think that we, we have a, we have a lot to talk about. Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I will just say that I don't appreciate all the qualifiers that I just heard for mm. for, for why we love this because <laughs> right. I am uh I guess I'm here to represent the people that love this movie out loud. Oh no, I I love the movie. I do I do <laughs> like this movie, but it's, 
<laughs> Look, it's a mess. Okay, yeah, like, nobody's right, right. nobody's de- debating <laughs> the fact that it's a mess. There were I was working on the script, and there were times that I I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a, a we'll we'll get into it, obviously. But yes. um, for me, again, just like you guys said, watching this when you're young, I feel like is such a unique experience. Mm-hmm. And we did watch it over and over and over mm-hmm. to the point where, like, I'm really here for the ghosts. I'm oh, not yeah. paying too much attention. And I'm so young that I don't really care that what y'all are saying doesn't completely make right. sense. It doesn't matter. I'm here to see the ghosts be scary. Still to this day, I love how they look. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we were lucky enough to watch it on the DVD. And there's, like, a featurette of them doing the effects work mm-hmm. and the makeup. And it is just... It's awe inspiring to me. Like uh-huh. it is fucking amazing. That is one thing that I will say, and I told your sister, I'm really glad that like now we have all these flat screen, super good sharp TVs, everything yeah. is ten eighty, whatever, and four K, eight K, whatever. We get to see these movies that we watched when we were kids now on oh. this type of, you know, technology in these TVs. Mm-hmm. And it looks fucking good when they you know when they redo them or here's a remastered dvd whatever it's like oh man this looks fucking there was times when i was just watching the movie and i was like i'm just watching this it's kind of (laughs) yeah i mean and that's kind of brilliant to revisit it in such a clear way yeah and i got to admit i didn't even know 8k existed so we're gonna have to talk about the show oh no (laughs) (laughs) um i think because i don't i don't want to appear like i'm coming down super hard on this film because there is a lot of joy to be had yeah and a lot of childhood joy that was revisited absolutely for me yeah it's just i think that where this film falls down and kind of collapses a bit is when it comes to the story oh no you know it's not all there no (laughs) we all have our our bad days you know what i mean um um, logic i guess (laughs) who needs that like i don't know who that is it's a roller coaster ride yeah but um one thing i will say i will say this um dark castle entertainment yeah uh same folks that produce the house on haunted hill remake yeah that's that's, uh interesting that you mentioned that because i never noticed until i was writing the script to come here today Mm mm-hmm that I really do put these in kind of the same little box in my head. Right. All right. They kind of, And I will, <laughs> there's something that comes later because there are choices made in this film, obviously, that are different from the original, mm-hmm. but are oddly very much in line with the House on Haunted Hill remake, which is <laughs> <Yes>! very interesting. <laughs> yes. Okay. I wanted to talk yeah. about that as well. I thought that was for, they're like, we have one speed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did want to say is that they change a lot because this a lot of people um i've seen online and this is what was very strange to me a lot of people in interviews that actually worked on this film uh didn't i don't think they watched the original mm-hmm. yeah because um they were talking about like the well and we'll get into it more obviously but the glasses for example yeah uh william castle whenever this film came out in 1960 the original right he is such a fun he loved the drama yes the gimmick and the gimmick of this one and honestly what people talk about the original four more than the film yeah is the gimmick of the glasses yeah, yeah. i thought that was really cool i didn't know this was the is. remake and then finding out about the glasses bit yeah that was super cool they um had it was red and blue glasses that allowed people in theaters to see the ghosts on screen 
or not see the ghost on screen. Yeah. Whether, you know, and honestly, when I rewatched the um, original, it starts off with a lot of screams. And I just imagine like people in the 60s like shitting their pants. Yeah. Because it's fucking like, it's a lot. I was like, <laughs> I'm 31 in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> quite a bit. But I mean, they did um, say in those interviews, they were like, yeah. And then they had that gimmick of the glasses. And but what what's different about ours is that we're going to use the glasses. We put them in the film. The characters are going to see the ghost with the glasses in the film. The only problem is in the original, they did the exact same thing. So, yeah. well, but not, they're doing it differently. No, no, no. <laughs> and they did change a lot. Yeah. They did change a lot. They modernized it. Yeah. yeah. Like you said in your intro, uh, because the six, the one in the sixties did feel kind of, it probably is a little dated at this point. Yeah. But I mean, then again, so is this one when you watch it now, you watch the one, <laughs> you know what? what? I mean, I'm not going to stand Nate, for that. That, that, that will video is like a, a mega player. <laughs> So you watched the one from 1960. I did. Did the house look anything like this? Oh, it was just a house. Okay. Because oh, that's right, something right. that I'm going to bring up later. Kind of as a con for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But the thing was, the in the original, the exteriors were the Winchester house. Oh, shit. Oh, all right. Yeah. So Very pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. I read that somewhere. I don't know if it's true. I think it's true. <laughs> now, before we contain this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's tour the house. The film opens at a junkyard. We go through rows and rows of smashed and abandoned cars before we get the title card, 13 Ghosts. The number 13 in the word 13. Word. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Does it fit? <laughs> That's not how you spell 13? Yeah. That That's no. That you, you know every word uh, that it spells out a number can fit the number in it? <laughs> Don't check that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I didn't just even remember. Just take your word for it. But the thing is, is that, you know, I thought it was kind of like a just a gimmicky fun thing they were doing. Yeah. But everywhere you look. Yeah, no, it's literally the title. That's the title. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't realize that. Either. That's the title. If you look, episode uh, 136 is going to fucking yeah. say it. Yeah. <laughs> but a semi truck smashes through the locked gate and drives onto the property, followed by more vehicles. When the vehicles come to a stop, people pile out and begin to set up equipment. Dramatic music mounts as another vehicle arrives on the scene. It parks and outsteps Cyrus Criticos, played by F. Murray Abraham. After him, Dennis Rafkin, played by the Matthew Lillard, gets out of the car and immediately grimaces and holds his head as if he's in pain. I didn't want to call it from jump. I will say that Cyrus is wearing a cape and a scarf. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. It's, it's, a, it's a great look, but a great look for a villain. <laughs> so I was wow. like, yeah, I think Hello. this man. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be our hero. Oh, yeah, clearly. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> clearly. I, but uh, Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Love to see him. Always. Oh, yeah. Always, always a joy. I uh, I almost thought this was a watcher video and I was waiting for Shane and Ryan to get out. <laughs> I was like, all right, what are we doing now? What is it? This is a great episode. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's starting the off. <laughs> the production values. Yeah. Yeah. Like, God damn. <laughs> Shane can't dispute this one. Mm -mm. He'll try though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Dennis sinks down to the ground and Cyrus asks him if it's bad tonight. While Dennis agrees that it is bad, he says that the word insane would be more appropriate. He says that it feels like he's breathing down his neck. So it's like, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
He advises, in his professional opinion, that they get the hell out of here. But Cyrus tells him that his advice is noted, but he makes no moves to actually follow it. Instead, he instructs someone to get the place cleaned up and ready for their guests. Dennis takes out a bottle of prescription pills, and just as he gets it open, Cyrus notices... Kicks the bottle oh, out of his yeah. hands. Not today, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Sending the pills flying. I feel like the the kick was a lot. I laughed out loud. I I think that's when I noticed what kind of film it was going to be. <laughs> because they were telling us since the very first scene. Yeah, the pills get a slow motion action shot. It did. Yeah, it did. Do. And I was like, yeah. oh, camp. We needed it. It, it was necessary. Mm. Dennis reasons that he just needed to take the edge off, but Cyrus angrily tells him that he needs him clear headed. <laughs> Again, like he's just showing his ass immediately. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, "Oh, you need those pills to live yeah. normal life, or manageable, not on existence." No. <laughs> he pulls Dennis to his feet and just takes him a few feet away to let him sit back down again. I was like, "Why'd you make him get up?" Great question. He pulls out a map to the junkyard and tells Dennis to show him where he is hiding. Dennis hovers his hand over the ground, hesitating for a moment before bringing it down. He seems struck with pain, screaming as a bright white light and images of blood and bodies flash before his eyes. When he comes back to reality, he calls Cyrus a son of a bitch for lying to him about the person that they're looking for, having only killed nine people. He insists that there are 40 bodies here. Cyrus clarifies he killed nine when he was alive, but he's added some more since then. Some more? It's like some more. three times it's what more. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot more. Right, some is a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. And why is this ghost... Okay, so he's also burying them too? Yeah. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Again, he asks Dennis where he is, and Dennis tosses the map away before pointing in front of them. In winding shots, we go through the cars to the vague location where Dennis was pointing. Cyrus tells another man that all teams need to go to Alpha and bring in the cube. A giant metal and glass cube. Well, it's really a rectangular room, but yeah. we'll call it a cube. Is, who's, who's paying you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it the cube, all right. It's a it's cube. A cube. Yeah. It's lifted over them to the area where Dennis indicated. Dennis asks Cyrus how this guy got the name The Breaker, and Cyrus proposes that it's just local folklore, or maybe it's because he broke his victims into as many pieces as possible. You know, either way, tomato, right. tomato. Fair. I, but, I mean, it's not local folklore. He literally killed 40 yeah. people. He did. <laughs> you said <Yeah. laughs> These are facts. <laughs> Dennis and Cyrus walk as they talk until a car comes crashing down in front of them. Dennis is horrified, but Cyrus only says that he hates being rushed. Dennis tells him that this isn't like the other ones. Cyrus offers him a bonus because of this, but Dennis tells him flatly that he doesn't have that kind of money. Cyrus, though, insinuates that after tonight, he might. Dennis reaches out and grabs Cyrus's shoulder. He's immediately hit with moving machinery, a lever being pulled, a giant spinning contraption, and piles of money. Cyrus pulls away from him and tells him to be careful and not get too curious. <laughs> it's just, it's funny to me because that's what Cyrus is thinking about right now. <laughs> you know? He's well, like, man, I can't wait to get back home to my <laughs> wad of hundreds. <laughs> and my spinning contraption. The moment is broken when Cyrus's henchmen bring over Damon, played by Matthew Harrison, and Kalina, played by Miss Honey herself, in Beth Davids. Glad to see her again. Yes, we 
saw her not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. Army of Darkness. Yeah. She, I will say, gives her all no matter. She does. She yeah. understands the assignment. Yeah. And she's very um, versatile. Oh, like, yeah. You can't. And it's hard for me because I grew up, she's Miss Honey, you know what I mean? Yeah. But in this, like, she's cussing. And as a kid, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. <laughs> But both she and Damon struggle against the henchmen. Damon yelling at Cyrus and telling him that what he's doing is slavery. Cyrus only commends Damon for being persistent before turning his attentions to Kalina. He asks if she still carries around her flares and her quaint little magic book. Items that may become important. Yeah. No, 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 no. Just, just enjoy the film. Just offhand. Don't overthink yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> Kalina tells him that he's not capturing animals. These are human beings. But Dennis chimes in that they're dead human beings and advises that Kalina go join Greenpeace and throw blood on fur coats. So this is where I think my memory of the film is clouded completely. Yeah. Okay. My love of Matthew Lillard overshadowed the fact that he's kind of a dick sometimes. At In the scene, yeah. he is. I yeah. honestly did not. Re- I thought in my head, I was like, oh, he's the good guy. What? It's funny because but it's like, why don't you go fuck yeah. yourself right now? <laughs> but he's, he's part of the bad guy team right now. He, like, yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> he's with the cartoonish but yeah, like, exactly. you get swept up. You know what I mean? Sometimes Easily, you don't the need to. Easily influenced. Yeah. yeah. He looks like he's been doing this a long time. That is true. I mean, the you don't cape. just get a cape like yeah, that. You no. trust the professionals. Yeah. You, yeah. you earn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But while we're like, Cyrus is like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, I've trained you well. (laughs) He laughs at this, but Kalina spits at him, demanding to know who he is to play God. Cyrus gets in her face, calmly telling her that playing is for children. Damon says that Cyrus will never be able to pull this off without the right spells and the 13th ghost. I don't know why he's explicitly <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> saying this right now. But uh-huh. right, stop talking. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the phrase 13th ghost, Dennis is like, what? This is the line for Cyrus, who demands his henchmen take Kalina and Damon out of his sight. Dennis, though, still wants to know what Damon meant by the 13th ghost. Cyrus just walks away from him, climbing up onto a platform or a stack of cars. I'm not sure what he's um, doing. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Dennis says that he was only contracted for 12 ghosts and that the breaker, the person they're hunting now, is the 12th. Cyrus is like, yeah, 12 plus one more. I thought you were psychic. Dennis says that he knows that that's not how this works. But Cyrus says that they just don't have time for this. He calls out for them to release the bait. And Dennis is confused by this, too as they've never needed bait before. A truck starts and begins to drive through the aisle, spraying blood in both directions before stopping in front of the cube. So he's a part of this operation. That th- there's How did he not see them rigging that? Like, this truck is... I'm laughing because both of y'all perked up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My thing, I, you filled that entire tanker truck up with blood. Where'd you get it? Where did you get it? Oh, that too. Okay. But you sprayed it for like three seconds. They did. That was did enough. You, did you, <laughs> you what do you do with the rest of that? It. Yeah. Well, it's he's no like, good. It's like, wow, you know, a hundred gallons sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> really only lasted three seconds. Damn, we should have maybe filled the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> Dennis gets the fuck out of Dodge. Cyrus, watching it all from above, puts on a pair of clear glasses with lights on the sides of them. He says to power up the cube into his earpiece and a lever is pushed, providing power to the cube. There's writing on the glass walls of the cube now, visible in the light and the door slides open. 
Cyrus gives the next instruction. Start transmitting. A button is pressed and an ominous speech begins to play from a speaker in presumably Latin. It's so always Latin. Everyone's dead, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, we're fucked. <laughs> no, yeah. Don't read the Latin. <laughs> Cyrus smiles as this all goes down and we get another winding shot of something coming toward them. Cyrus instructs the breaker to come and all hell breaks loose. A giant stack of cars falls over, narrowly missing two men who were standing there. But somehow, <laughs> and this threw me off. This just started, right? Yeah, I had a question about this. <laughs> it's probably the same the question. Stack, <laughs> the stack of cars falls. The men move out of the way, but there's a pile of body parts and yeah. blood. And, right. And the legs are uniformed. Yes, like, yeah. like it's, it's one of them. Yeah, but who did it? You know? Did I miss something? <laughs> we all t- off camera. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like we have to show everything. Yeah. Jesus. Fill in the gaps yourself. I'm sorry. But the men scream and run, and one is scooped up by something invisible and pulled into an abandoned car before blood explodes against the windshield. He's probably fine. Yeah, yeah he'll yeah. be fine. Just a headache. Another, <laughs> <laughs> another man tries to climb the cars to get away, but he is folded in half backwards and shoved into a cracked trunk. That was brilliant. It yeah, looks that was cool. Horrible. It's fantastic. Yeah. A stack of cars nearly falls on Dennis, but he moves out of the way. Another man falls on the ground, and now Dennis is wearing the same glasses that Cyrus is. Dennis wears glasses. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in one shot, he's got his glasses on, <laughs> and the next, he's got these on. Well, when that guy was getting murked, he put... <laughs> he was like, I need yeah. to see this for myself. <laughs> Both off screen. <laughs> but for a second, he sees a huge person lifting up a car, but the person disappears, and the car is brought down, killing the man beneath it. This is the Juggernaut, played by John DeSantis. So I wanted to talk about some of the creature design. You had said at the start, K and B. Yes. Um, on the commentary, along with Steve Beck and the production designer, mm-hmm. was Howard Berger. Oh, very cool. All right. Or Berger. That's how Matthew Lillard pronounced it, and I assume he's right because you probably met him. Yeah. <laughs> right. He would know. Yeah, he would know better than me. Just a guy who reads a name on the internet. Right. <laughs> but, but he's he's the B. Yes. Right. He's the B in K and B. But he was talking about this guy in particular, and he had said that he's seven feet tall. And Can they you did, imagine? Yeah. Oh, no. I could, I, well, well, you're six. You're pretty close. I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Another foot is a big change. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you think. All tall is yeah. tall, but it's not. <laughs> Two feet for me. <laughs> but um, they had said that his and a lot of the other ones yeah. are full body prosthetics. That's Damn. amazing. And they said that they took anywhere from one and a half hours to four hours to put on. Jeez. And potentially up to three hours to take off. <laughs> so you have, I mean, these people in these prosthetics for up to maybe 12 hours a day, <sighs> yeah. 15 hours a day. And they had said this actor in particular, he was only scheduled for five days. Yeah. But they loved what he did with the character so much that he worked 19 days on this picture. Holy Damn, shit. All right. <laughs> so people are just like coming back and like having a blast. And they're all, um, most of them anyway, were local Vancouver actors. Very okay. cool. And they had just like, they say one of the people who played the ghost was a paralegal in her day job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just regular people. That's so I cool. bet working on this movie was fun. Oh, hell this yeah. This shit looks yeah. like a blast. He had said, Berger, that of all the jobs that he, and they've done countless. Yeah. yeah. We talk about them all the time. They did House on Haunted Hill. That's how they got hell this. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he had said that this is one that he looks back on as one of the most fun of his career. I nice. bet. Hell yeah. I saw on the the special features on the DVD, him doing John DeSantis's like 
makeup right and getting him ready for his well i think he already had his prosthetic on but it was like he's like i've been here since 3 30 he's been here since 4 yeah you know blah 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 in the morning yeah and then they're taking it off and it's like 8 p.m he's taking this like it's nuts yeah they're busting their asses but like to me that is just it's insane like that would be a dream job to be able to make right, shit right. like what they oh, yeah. can make. It's amazing. And he called out Steve Beck in general because he said that his idea, because they, you had talked about it earlier, have backstories for all of these ghosts. Yeah. Yes. And they don't feature in the film at all, but they informed his designs of I them. I love that. Right. I love that. So it gave him something to work off yeah. of. And it actually, I think that's, this is what sells this film is these fucking ghosts. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because they're great. Because the way that I will staunchly defend this, if they were gone or if they just no, yeah. didn't bring it the way they did, I'd be like, no, you're right. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was 100%. <laughs> yeah. There was keeping me fighting so hard. <laughs> um, speaking of the backstories, they do have little, it was like little, um, like vignettes on the special features of all the backstories kind of narrated by F. Murray Abraham. Oh, that's neat. Um, at the end, he's like, that's why it would be perfect for my collection. Or whatever. <laughs> um, but I have compiled them and I thought that I would share them because I didn't know that. And we've had this DVD since we were fucking kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that I would share with you guys. Some of the backstories are better than others. Okay. Uh, we can read, we can judge, yeah. we can, it'll be fun. Mm. But the Juggernaut's backstory, his name it was Horace the Breaker Mahoney. Hmm. All right. Like you mentioned, he's seven feet tall. He was abandoned by his mother at birth and put to work in his dad's junkyard. Not at birth. But <laughs> 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 How did she manage that? <laughs> I could have worded that better, but <laughs> he worked in his dad's junkyard. But when his dad died, he was left to his own devices and became a serial killer, towing cars back to his yard and ripping the victims apart with his bare hands. The Wait, breaker. So, so he was able to before? Well, I guess his dad was the only, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing holding him back. God damn. Well, were these people weak boned or something? Or? Yeah. No, he's very strong. Okay. <laughs> that answers that. Yeah, I guess. He's a juggernaut bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt ridiculous because that's all I was thinking. Me yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to be the one to say it. So thank you. <laughs> he took one for the team. Yes. But he would tow stranded motorists back, keep their cars, kill them. All right. And then he was going out on the prowl one night and picked up an undercover cop mm. so when he brought her back to the junkyard the SWAT team came they said they had to unload all of their guns into him before he died and um he killed three of them before he was taken down Damn. but then they reloaded their guns and shot him again after he was dead to make sure because he would not go down so that explains all the bullet holes yeah that explains the bullet holes. Right. See, i love that yeah i think i think cool i think the juggernauts is pretty good yes, yeah i like that it's, we'll we'll see yeah <laughs> <laughs> is anybody else is starting to feel like twisted metal Hell all yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yes but back to the movie Cyrus even looks scared as the rest of the men stomp through blood trying to get away. The men are picked up and thrown by something unseen. Stacks of cars are knocked over and we get more flashes of the juggernaut causing all the damage. When a man is thrown into the cube, the juggernaut follows. He picks up the man and slams him against every wall, spraying blood on all of them. Dennis runs up to the cube and bangs on it, demanding that the man be let go and he can see the juggernaut slamming the man against the walls, but when he takes his glasses off, he doesn't see him there anymore. But 
Dennis already knows that this is how it works, so this yeah. is going for us. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, that yeah. thing I knew already. <laughs> Look, guys. What made me laugh is that whenever he's being slammed, he goes, put him down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I get you tried, Juggernaut. I guess. Yeah. Juggernaut. Yeah. You know better shit than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what our granny would say whenever things are like, yeah. it's like, you know better shit than that, which is, <laughs> you do. That's a brilliant, yeah. brilliant phrase. But after the man inside is dead, Dennis tells Cyrus through his earpiece that he hopes he's happy. He's got his 12 now. Kalina begins to scream for help, yelling that Damon is dying. Dennis rushes over to them to find Kalina crouched on the ground over Damon, who bleeds from his mouth. We pan over to see Cyrus collapsed with a piece of metal embedded in his throat. I'm going to have questions about that later. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about it then. (laughs) I will say Dennis runs up on this, sees everything, and he hits that with a, you hate to see it. (laughs) Yeah. He underreacts like. God Hey, he warned him. He did. And he warned him. He's calling for help. He's not a doctor. He's like, come on. What do you want me to do? He's probably in shock, too. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Because he goes, ah, Cyrus. Ah, You son of a bitch. In the next scene, as the opening credits roll, Arthur Criticos, played by Tony Shaloub, and his wife, Jean, played by Katherine Anderson, laugh as they watch their kids, Kathy and Bobby, played by Shannon Elizabeth and Alec Roberts, playing outside. I'm just going to go ahead and point out the elephant in the room here because they're watching their kids play outside. Mm-hmm. Bobby's a little boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon Elizabeth is not little. No. And they're watching them play and Arthur's like, <laughs> yeah, she's taller than him now, but you know, he's going to catch up to her or whatever. Uh, I think Shannon Elizabeth was 28 when this came yeah. out. Yeah. It's like, well, of course and she's it, a grown ass woman. Yeah. <laughs> of course she's taller than him now. I remember people saying that about me and T you when, know yeah he's gonna catch up to you or whatever which obviously he did but True. that's what you say when they're both little you yeah, know what i mean yeah, it, was, yeah. it just made me laugh She's like yeah, but that that could be her, her son yeah. be- <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that is what uh, the way that this is played it's like she's his teenage daughter Right. All right. That's how I took it. Yeah. But I mean, it just made me laugh because I'm like, well, yeah, she's, of course, of course she, she is. Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. she's making You're that. just making conversation, I think. Yeah. <laughs> just say y'all don't have anything to talk yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> but we pan over photos of the Criticos family and we hear Arthur being celebrated on his birthday. Suddenly, the happy sounds give way to the fire alarm going off. I will say that the happy sounds, one of them was his birthday, like you said. Yeah. yeah. And someone goes, it's a surprise. And he goes, my heart, my heart. <laughs> and I was like, that's a happy moment. Yeah. That's, that's fucking terrifying. He's having a heart attack. Yeah, it's horrible. Like, you didn't it's go to like pretty. Outback yeah. Steakhouse or anything? <laughs> that's it's, what you chose? Uh, <laughs> it's, all, it's all part of the memories. Yeah. Sure. It's like, take the good, take the bad. It's like, holy shit. Exactly. <laughs> but as I said... Before the heart attack, the fire alarm is going off. Arthur tells Gene to call the fire department and he'll go get the kids. Bobby calls for help and Gene urges Arthur to go get them. The fire alarm continues to shriek as they say that they can't find Gene. She's still in the house. As the panning continues, the bright and well-decorated home transforms into drab and sparse with moving boxes stacked up. We hear a doctor tell Arthur that Gene didn't make it. We continue to pan as we hear the eulogy at Jean's funeral. We end up at another window where Arthur sits looking outside alone. This was very effective. Yes. And I it really... Tells you ev- it tells you everything. Yeah. yeah. I really liked the 
cycle of the camera yeah, yeah. with these fading transitions because mm-hmm. you see the house just slowly yeah, yeah. It's, it's very good and honestly when you compare it to the original this gives this film an emotional weight that the original didn't have all right okay because the original i mean every the family is just there like the mom's there the dad's there the kids oh, all right all right and they uh it's really just about putting on some glasses and seeing some ghosts <laughs> 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 but this one i guess they wanted to <laughs> Make it a little more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I commend them for yeah, it. Yeah, well, it, it worked. It does. Like, you ain't got to do Tony like that. Yeah, man. No, no it's on. really sad. Yeah, I felt very horrible for him. And one thing I will say, he is Tony Shalhoub is a great actor. Yeah, yeah. this character. I feel yeah. like <laughs> I feel <Yeah>. like <laughs> I feel like they don't give him a lot to do. No, no, and he, no. He's kind of a kind of an asshole yeah. like we'll explore it as we go but yeah. watching it this time, I was like, I don't think I like you. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, Kathy and Bobby's voices grieve their mother and ask that she watch over them. Next to Arthur is a framed photograph of Jean from the old house, but it and the frame are burned and charred. We scan past multiple past due bills until Kathy comes into the room telling Arthur that it's 830 and if he doesn't hurry, he's going to miss his first class. We cut to Bobby at the breakfast table, relaying morbid statistics into his recorder. Cancer rates are down, but suicide is sky high. When he reports that a body was found decapitated, the nanny, Maggie, played by Rod Digga, corrects him. Decapitated. I, this kid's morbid as fuck. Very much. Yeah. I, I, it started, I was like, I like the cut of this kid's jib. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I started, <laughs> yeah. I started to not enjoy the cut of this kid's jib. <laughs> Kathy asks if he can get a healthier hobby, but he just snaps at both of them to leave him alone because he's recording. One thing I will say as well, as far as a change from the original is the original had a character called Elaine Mm -hmm. and she was played by Margaret Hamilton. She was the witch in the Wizard of Oz. Oh, shit. Okay, But um, she tell me if this sounds familiar to people in this film. Elaine was a housekeeper. Okay. A medium. Okay. And an associate of the uncle. Okay. So we cut her up yes okay. yeah all right we split one character into three okay all right i think that works better yeah. i don't i feel like they really don't give maggie a lot to do no besides kind of cut tension at times mm-hmm. i really wish we could have gotten more from her i agree oh no yeah and the thing is is there's not much tension to cut i mean <laughs> really <laughs> later <laughs> i mean we'll talk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i would have liked a bigger role there in the original yes. script there was a bigger role for her but they changed it why uh, um we'll talk about it all okay. right but arthur enters the kitchen telling everyone good morning and noting the interesting smells bobby excitedly tells his father about the headless body found behind dunkin donuts and arthur just comments that he loves dunkin donuts Kathy burns her hand while busying herself over the stove and Arthur tells her to let Maggie make breakfast because that's why they hired her. I don't like that. It's like, oh, let them clean it up. That's what they get paid for. Yeah, it's don't, fucked up. Yeah, fuck off. But also, uh, I've not seen... I don't I don't think in this film at all do we see Maggie do yeah. anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything that she's supposed to be doing. So it's a little column A. Yeah. <laughs> a little column B. You don't say it, but no. yeah. you know, also... <laughs> One thing, and it, it's, again, you're talking about elephants in the room. An elephant in the room is the fact that this family is... In tremendous supposed to be dirt poor, but they have a nanny. Yeah, has hired a full time live in nanny. One thing I will say though, I think it might have worked better if Maggie was simply Kathy's friend. 
That was helping okay. out. That was I helping would, out. I, yeah. Or Arthur's new girlfriend. But then people would be side-eyeing side Arthur because literally Kathy and Bobby look exactly the same when they were watching them. Like, she just died. Yeah. I think they say later it's been six months. Hearts. Yeah. <laughs> the hearts. yeah. yeah. No, I can't even say that. Yeah, no. We're not even going to yeah, say that no. one. It doesn't matter who said it. It doesn't matter where that comes from. Cut that, cut that. Get cut past it, get past it. Cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> but Kathy asks if Arthur has actually tried Maggie's cooking and Maggie takes offense saying that she cooks better than them. As they bicker over this, a man walks down the hallway of their building in slow motion. That shot is pretty good. It is. Yeah. It's very um like tense. Yeah. Back inside, Bobby asks Arthur to tell Kathy that keeping a record of death is normal because she's being a real slut about it. Arthur does nothing to correct this behavior. <laughs> but Maggie, Maggie steps in advising Bobby to call his sister a bitch instead of a slut. When she starts to explain what the word slut means, Arthur finally interrupts and asks Bobby if he's finished his homework. Carrying his coffee, he walks over to the table before tripping on Bobby's scooter and spilling his coffee. While I'm watching this, <laughs> I'm like, I know T laughed at this part because, <laughs> because he goes, hey, Edgar Allan Poe, did you finish your God damn it? <laughs> I think it was the transition. <laughs> And then I, to be so well, chill. But then I was like, oh, well, that's where he got all the cursing from. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense. Yeah, well, while you're laughing, I was angry. <laughs> well, yeah. I was like, How oh, many? if you've never kicked one of those things. No, no. shit. Oh, my no shit. God. You know, I was like, Bobby, how many fucking times? <laughs> I started yelling at <laughs> Getting angry at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the, the quick, hey, yeah, I that, yeah. <laughs> He went from super chill. Honestly, any kind of transition like that kills me. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was like, I know T's fucking laughing. That's hilarious. I may have paused it. <laughs> but he reacts in a big way and yells at Bobby for continuing to leave his scooter out. Bobby apologizes, but Kathy rationalizes that if they had a bigger place, this wouldn't be happening. That's fucked up. You got bigger yeah. place money, Kathy? You're a grown woman. Yeah. <laughs> you right, still ain't got a job? <laughs> But Arthur says that they don't have a place anymore, so they all need to just keep their shit off the floor. He tells Bobby to put his recorder away and get ready for school. If this is the piling up tension is kind of this film's version of we don't have any bloody money. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. From the conjuring too. <laughs> yes. Bobby apologizes again as the man in the hallway finally knocks on the door. I just imagine him standing outside like God. Holy damn. Shit. It's I'll like, come back later. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get these kids away from that fucking... <laughs> Hello, CPS. Yeah. Arthur says it must be the lawyer who he forgot was coming by. Kathy panics at the idea that a lawyer is here, telling her dad that she thought they'd clean their credit up, but Arthur says it's not about that. They were establishing something really interesting here with Kathy because it's obvious that... Even with Maggie here, she's really trying to step into this mother role. Mm -hmm. She's making breakfast. She's worried about their credit. She's worried that the lawyer's here. She's telling her dad that he needs to get up and get ready for work. Uh -huh. yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like it's such an interesting aspect to her character that is kind of abandoned after we leave this oh, apartment. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. And the other thing in the original script, there is even more for her to do there. And I don't even understand why, because it seems like when we get to where we're going, yeah. character does not matter yeah. anymore. It's, we're, we're here for the ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but watching this as an adult, I'm like, wow, she's really like parenting her father. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's really sad and really like this is a thing that really happens. Yeah. And I thought it was, you know, 
interesting and complex for for this film. Yeah, and it could have it yeah, could have led to an know. intriguing dynamic as it continued. Yeah, yeah. but nah. But we got to get to the house. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby asks if they're going to have to move again, but Arthur just tells him that whatever it's about, they'll deal with it together. He opens the door and invites in Ben Moss, played by J.R. Bourne. Noting the coffee stain on Arthur's shirt, Ben asks if this is a good time, but Arthur says it's as good as any. I do want to say one um, apartment number six is where they're living. Yeah. A number that has not ever been associated with anything. (laughs) Um, But I do want to say J.R. Bourne, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think we called him out for this film on that and one. That, yeah, because yeah, this is what I know him from. Yeah. Yes, for a very good reason. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. But inside the apartment, Ben sits at the table between Bobby and Maggie while Arthur gets ready for work in a fresh shirt. Ben tells Arthur that he represents the estate of his uncle Cyrus Criticos. So it's like, all right, we're yeah. tying back yeah. to that first scene. Kathy didn't realize that they had an uncle Cyrus, and Arthur admits that he only met them a couple times. He wasn't well-liked in the family because Arthur's father told them that Cyrus squandered the family fortune. Kathy's like, we have a family fortune? And Arthur's like, Cyrus squandered. (laughs) I just just told you. (laughs) No, not anymore. (laughs) When Bobby realizes that this means Cyrus is dead, he gets excited. I feel like Bobby needs to talk to somebody and and nobody's acknowledging this. No, they're just kind of, well, they're dealing with a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sometimes things fall by the wayside yeah. <laughs> slipping through the cracks mm-hmm. ben seems weirded out by bobby but he presses on he says that cyrus recorded a message six weeks ago to be played for arthur in the event of his death he presses play on the laptop and cyrus appears in the video he smokes a pipe and addresses arthur by name saying that it's good to talk to him i'm not saying that he's wearing the same clothes that he was in the beginning <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> but i'm not saying that he's not wearing. The same <laughs> he really likes that outfit he does. Yeah. <laughs> and i do appreciate him caring about file size by recording this in the lowest quality <laughs> yeah no it's always the low quality value possible <laughs> I, d- <laughs> I thought that too. Yeah. This this last time we watched it, I was like, why does it look so shitty? I was like, like, well, <laughs> it's this really fancy briefcase. Uh-huh. You got all the shit in it. And we'll see the house in a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where all the fucking money went. All right. <laughs> but he says that if Arthur is watching this video, it means he is dead and Arthur and his family are the sole beneficiaries. He prompts Ben to hand something over to them and Ben takes out a very strange looking key. The key passes from Ben to Kathy to Arthur, who asks, a key to what? Cyrus answers on the laptop, a key to your new house. Photos of the house appear in boxes next to Cyrus as he describes the house as his life's work. Kathy, though, is distracted by the fact that everyone will finally be getting their own bathroom. Cyrus says that his home is one of a kind. He says that he's led an interesting life and seen amazing things. The only regret that he has is never getting to know Arthur or appreciate the love of a family like his. He says this house is his attempt to make up for that. So I just want to say, as a poor person, right? Um, I believe that the daydream of a distant, distant relative living a very long, happy, fulfilling life, passing away peacefully and leaving you everything of theirs right. is kind of... The only I, thing I've, getting us through. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I've, I've lived that mentally. I've, I've counted at least about 8,000 times. <laughs> so they're living the dream. Right. right. Uh, are they, though? Oh, that's the, that's the hook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep watching, folks. 
But Cyrus tells Arthur to enjoy and the video closes. Like it closes and goes away. But it pops back open. <laughs> How do you do that? I don't know that it made me laugh. For Cyrus to smoke and say that perhaps they'll meet again in another life. Ben closes the laptop and Kathy asks when they can see the house. Ben tells them that they can move in whenever they're ready. And he's going tonight. He invites Arthur to bring his wife and his kids. But Maggie is quick to correct him. She is not his wife. One thing I did want to point out is before Ben starts the tape, mm-hmm. he kind of gives Bobby that weird look like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, then, Bobby, Bobby's well, doing he was a lot. Being, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Kathy leans in and they kind of share an odd look. Yeah. yeah. In the original script, there was supposed to be a love arc. Why? I don't I don't know. And on commentary, they said it's it was it was ridiculous. So no. Oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if she's supposed to be a teenager. Yeah. Well, she could oh, be. Yeah. Thir- but maybe she is supposed to be. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They've not explained it. They've right. not. But that's just one of the few things that they've cut. Good. Mm. That, Which was, that was weird. Smart. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not necessary. No, not at all. Especially what we get. Like, where would you even put that? Yeah. yeah. No shit. There's yeah. no time for that. No. Get to the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur struggles to explain what happened to Gene, but Bobby plainly tells Ben that his mom got burned up to death in a fire. Bobby scolds him, but he's like, what? It's true. I'm like, Bobby, God. what the fuck? Yeah. Read the room. See, that's where I lost the enjoyment of the jib. I mean, yeah. kids are... <laughs> the jib. That's the phrase, right? Kids are, <laughs> yeah. Kids are weird and everybody copes in different ways, but he, that's, it's just not appropriate. That's too much. <laughs> yeah. But Arthur asks where the house is. We see their car traveling down the street as Ben answers that it's only a couple hours away in a town called Willow Grove. He says that the area is gorgeous, but Cyrus loved his privacy. There's not a neighbor for miles, which is really the dream, dream house. (laughs) (laughs) In their car, Maggie and Bobby play games in the backseat where the answer is suffocate for some reason. She's feeding into this. She is. Yeah. Kathy in the passenger seat next to her dad tells them to calm down, but she's all smiles. Arthur asks if she's excited and she says that she is because her mom would have freaked over this. I, I know you said that that was a dream and it is. But like in this case, you don't know your uncle. No. You know what I mean? You what Did he say he was young when he met him or he just said that? I think he it did. was a couple of times when yeah. he was young. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't you be a little worried? Well, maybe I'm just I, the last in the line. I feel like I would. Be like, this or at least too good questions. to be true. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Always the pessimistic. They, no, we yeah. gotta go out in the country and there's nobody around. What? Yeah, yeah. that is scary. Like, really? Fuck. Like, I just <laughs> shouldn't we go back to your law I office mean, first? The lawyer's I, like, like right. yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. Yeah, it's not no. <laughs> <laughs> just sign here. It's okay. Yeah. Wait, wait what? Yeah, be, I don't know. I'd be blinded by the light, probably. Pro- yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah. yeah. Dude, the, um, a millennial homeowner? Are you yeah. kidding oh, me? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, no. We're Those doing. Words don't even go together. <laughs> we're doing whatever it takes. <laughs> but Arthur agrees and says that things are finally starting to get better. Ben, though, rides in the car in front of them and has that little evil strip of light over yeah. his eyes <laughs> as he looks back at them from the rearview mirror. Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Can we wait a second? He was an no. evil cackle away. <laughs> yeah, he was. He takes his hands off the wheel to fucking right? yeah. <laughs> Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns, <laughs> yeah. That's all we were missing. But Excess by Tricky begins to play as we cut to a building where Kalina paces and looks around. The song's fucking getting it really for no reason. And I looked it up to credit it, and it's got backup vocals from uh, Lannis Morissette. No shit. Really? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I was excited. I will say the family <laughs> inheriting... <laughs> Sorry. Oh <my> God. <laughs> the family inheriting this house 
um, I never would have put something so dark and so sexy over it. Like, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I y'all did not need. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? But of all the choices, <laughs> y'all didn't need to go this hard no, at all. Should have anything really. <laughs> I I even thought that I, as a kid I was like, this is weird music, yeah. but whatever. And even watching it again, I was like, that's it's still yeah, weird. That, <laughs> but when you think about it, it is so early 2000s. It's yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, yeah. It's yeah, perfect for that for sure. But Kalina looks through scrolls of paper at photos of people and demons, newspaper clippings of death pinned up on the wall. She rummages through a drawer of dynamite, loading some into her bag. She picks up a huge book and takes that with her as well. A newspaper next to the book has an article with the headline, Noted Adventurer Dies at 57 Under a Photo of Cyrus. Okay, I just want to say very quickly, as someone who has worked on a newspaper, yeah. you don't find the headline had an exclamation point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, made, <laughs> I made a conscious decision to include that in my script because i knew you were gonna have something I had to. <laughs> and the lead was written in passive voice but, <laughs> but that's, neither here, nor that's neither here nor there i do have to ask how long would it be after he passed for this to be printed in the paper do you think probably i'd say a day depending on how okay. famous yeah. he was if okay. it's if it's like well, a, he's a noted adventurer yeah yeah and it, Maybe if it's one of those like uh, the Bat Boy one, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, National Enquirer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, right away, we've got to. Like, we have to get yeah. it. Yeah, we everybody Stop needs to know. Stop the presses. Bat yeah. Boy's father died. <laughs> <laughs> that it just gives me a bigger question for something later that I was already questioning. Okay. So let's remember to come back to that. Fair. But Ben and the Criticos family pull up to the house behind a work truck. Someone in an orange jumpsuit is looking into the house with a flashlight. The family gets out of the car and Kathy and Bobby are immediately excited. Kathy calling the house beautiful and Bobby calling it cool. Arthur muses that he's never seen anything like it. The house is made mostly of glass with Latin written on it. Think about the box at the beginning of the movie, but mm -hmm. make it a house. So I did want to talk about the house. The production designer was a guy called Sean Hargreaves. Mm-hmm. And he, nowadays, he does a lot of artwork for uh, the MCU. Really? Holy yeah. Shit. All right. But this was his first film as a production designer. And he only, I think, according to his filmography, it looks like he only did a production design for one more film after this, which is very weird. Really? Wow. Yeah, because I think that his work in this film is fucking out of this world. Yeah. yeah. But they built the exterior of this house at a park just off of where the studio was located. <laughs> and they only built the entrance to the house. The rest of the house in the shot that you see is CG. Holy oh, wow. shit. Yes. There is, I would never have guessed. No, never. Especially never, for the time. Never. Yeah. I'm fucking impressed. There is a lot of visual work that is combined with a lot of practical work that it works so well. Yeah. The visual artist was a guy called Dan Glass and he worked on the Matrix sequels. All right. Oh. And so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And also you see how fucking, the, I think the film, I want to say it was like $30 million, $40 million in mm -hmm. budget. So yeah. you're like, okay, well that's what that's going. Yeah. yeah. But, um, um, I'll talk more about the house whenever we get inside because there is a lot that went into making it. And it's honestly one of the biggest things that you'll remember from this film. For oh, sure. Yeah. It's the ghost. It's the house. I love the house for this movie. Uh-huh. I just want to go on record and say that I would never fucking want to live in this house ever. Even without the ghosts. 
Absolutely not. Really? Uh, 100%. Oh, no, I'd like it. That's fine. Then you can build me a little <laughs> a little shack in the back because I, I don't like this shit at all. I would ask the lawyer, how quickly can we sell this house? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I'm not living in this. <laughs> yeah. And then having to travel to work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's two, hours, yeah. It's two hours yeah. away and he's uh-uh. a teacher. Like, I don't have time for that. All my yeah. students are going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Ben approaches the person outside and it's Dennis who shines his flashlight right into Ben's face. Dennis identifies himself as the power guy and has the badge to confirm it when Ben looks at it. Dennis says that this house has knocked power out for the whole area and he needs access to the breakers inside. This kind of um, obviously we know who Dennis is. Yes. But it's like what area you know yeah. what i mean like we made it a point to say that there's nobody around here yeah. well jp and uh we were talking off mic mm-hmm. the name of the business he works <laughs> <Yeah>. for <laughs> really just cuts to the chase i'd say <laughs> almost as if it was made on microsoft word yeah. last night <laughs> 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 cut out and uh you know i don't know you gotta do what you gotta do what was the name <laughs> of the company just says power and light <laughs> yeah like, and then it's got like uh, the little graphics from like when they would punch somebody back in, <laughs> in the Batman shows. Yes. Behind it. That's it. What? It's that little paper clip. He was like, you want some help with no. <laughs> Got and you, fam. Oh, man, this looks great. <laughs> but Ben asks if Dennis can come back tomorrow, but Dennis isn't trying to hear it. He says that this house knocked the power out for 5,570 houses and his boss isn't happy about it. I feel like if I was lying, I probably would have picked a smaller number because that's, that's a lot of houses. I, yeah. <laughs> and how, what does the power grid look like? Is this in Texas? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. literally, it's in <laughs> Texas. Because I know who to blame for that yeah. fucking shit. Sorry. Please, please vote. Please yeah, vote. please vote. Yes. Ben says that this isn't their problem, so Dennis levels with him. He's only had the job for about three weeks. Can he just get a break? Arthur steps in and says that he can come inside. Dennis asks his name and Arthur introduces himself as Arthur Criticos. Dennis pauses for a second before telling Arthur that it's quite a house. Kathy agrees, telling him that they're moving in, but Arthur warns her to just take it one step at a time. He slides the strange looking key into an equally strange looking lock and turns it. The lock sucks the key inside and somewhere within the house, a pendulum starts to swing. Circles on the lock begin to turn, and Bobby's like, Dad, you broke it! (laughs) (laughs) This kid's going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But inside, lights begin to come on one by one, and the house slowly comes to life. Now with the lights on, they all have comments about how the walls are glass. Kathy even remarking that she hopes the bathrooms are in the basement. That's the first thing I thought. Right. So I know they just got in it real quick. Huh. You said the lights just came on. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Why the fuck are you here then? Well, uh, it's too much light. That's what knocked the power out. So you guys are... Only you guys yeah. got lights. You guys light. are taking yeah, all the light. <laughs> so what you're saying is this place is flooded with light. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As the pendulum continues to swing inside, giant gears begin to work too, and finally the door opens. Everyone steps inside, but as the front door begins to close on its own, Dennis rushes over to it. They roam the house, Arthur musing over the Latin on the walls. There are exhibits, presumably from Cyrus's travels. After a quick survey of the layout, Maggie tells the family that she does not do windows. I get it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't paint yourself into this corner. No, this is, yeah. all, this is all windows. Bobby picks up a sword, but Arthur puts the kibosh on that. 
He marvels over another treasure, though, and Kathy remarks that the thing Cyrus has collected must be worth a fortune. So this set is very elaborate. Oh, yes. yeah. Filled with a ton of just the design of the building itself, mm-hmm. but also all the artifacts, all the yes. things. Yeah. It's kind of very remarkably put together. They had talked about it on commentary that it took Hargreaves a month just to design the house. Damn. And you see all that work. Yeah. In a it. lot. I wonder, are these supposed to like signify trophies? Possibly. Yeah. Like of his. I mean, he's got a lot of, it's a lot of collecting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, you mean trophies of like the ghost he's captured? Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, fucking. Oh, shit. You know, I got. Well, you notice the ghosts come from all like times. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It's like. Some are modern and yeah, some are not. Yeah. It is possible. Yeah. I did also want to point out that the house is really made out of metal and glass. Wow. Oh, nice. And I think they had to build a concrete floor in order to withstand the weight of this set. Damn. Because that is kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. It's re- like, I mean, it's glass. Yeah. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> you hear me? But I did want to commend the um, director of photography as well. He's a guy called Gail Tattersall. And thinking of shooting in a glass house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything had to be I like- I can't imagine. Angled. Um, they said that they brought in bright lights up top, which helped dim reflections. And they had all of the staff or crew, I guess they call them on a film. Staff. <laughs> <laughs> they had all the crew dressed in all black. All right. And so anything they could do, because I mean, you turn, if you point a camera, they said 90 degrees right at a glass wall. Yeah. 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 You're going to reflect fucking everything. Of oh, course. Yeah. And so it's got to be always slightly oh off. Oh my God, that's so tricky. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they went through it. See, doesn't that make you appreciate this a little bit more? I mean, that aspect, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should have, you know, pointed the no, story that's enough, that's enough, that's at a different enough. angle. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All right. Dennis mutters to himself as he walks on his own, calling Cyrus a crazy son of a bitch and asking what he did. You're probably within earshot still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, God damn it. They're like, you knew my uncle. How, yeah. was, how do you know Cyrus? I thought you worked for Power and Light. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> They walk into a large room with a huge circle on the floor. The circle is made up of progressively larger circles, the smaller ones in the middle spinning constantly on their own. I don't know really how to describe this as the no, best it's, I could do. Um, yeah. Like metal rings, I guess. Yeah. yeah. They said the rings are made of the metals they appear to be. God damn, man. Like that's real copper. That's real. Like they fucking, damn. again, the budget. Yeah. Ben says that it's a living work of art. Dennis asks him where the basement is so he can get out of here. And Ben says that it's down the hall, second door on the right. I think that that would work for a normal house. I I don't <laughs> I don't me. know what a hall is. <laughs> what counts as a hall in this yeah. house? <laughs> can you walk with me real yeah, quick? Pretty please. Dennis walks away. Bobby is on his scooter riding in a circle along the floor saying that he's getting dizzy. When he reaches the spinning center of it, he sticks his foot out, slowly bringing it down to touch. But Arthur picks him up just in time. I just want to say very quickly, they came to this house to see it. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Why the fuck did they let this kid bring his scooter? I feel like, oh, yeah. I feel like Bobby does whatever the fuck Bobby wants. Uh, well, yeah, he's like, but- you're going to end up on my radio show if you don't fucking let me bring yeah. my scooter. <laughs> you got it, <Bob. laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I uh, yeah, but in the scooter comes into play a lot. It yeah. does. But I don't think that you guys would let either of the kids. Absolutely no, not. No. no, especially once we get there and the house is made of fucking glass yeah, and we oh don't no, know yeah. what kind of priceless shit is no. inside. No, leave it in the car. Yeah, and he's playing with swords and shit, dude. This kid, yeah. this kid's oh, trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Arthur tells Bobby that he's not allowed to touch anything until they get homeowners insurance. Ben tells Arthur that there are papers in the library he needs to sign and then he'll give them a proper tour of the house. Arthur tells Kathy, Bobby and Maggie that they're not to move from this spot until he gets back. How though? It's impossible. It yeah, uh, come with on. me. Yeah. Let's all go to the library and sign yeah. these pa- very important papers that maybe we should look over as a fucking family. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry. You stay put. <laughs> yeah. Don't move. Not yeah. Not only that. Come on. Look how cool this place is. You really yeah. don't yeah. want no me to. Shit. Impossible. And I'm sorry, but then why is Maggie here if it's not to watch oh, the yeah. kids? <laughs> yeah. Let, let her take the kids around. Yeah. Oh, yeah no true. shit. Like what yeah. the fuck? No, Maggie's trying to get into the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did also want to point out that um, whenever they do enter this room, Arthur, because it's a glass house. Yeah. He goes, hey, uh, no throwing stones, huh? That's N- me. Nobody laughs. <laughs> That's also me. <laughs> I was like, give him some love for that. That was a pretty decent dad joke. Come on. But Kathy asked if he's being paranoid and overprotective. And Arthur's like, yeah, of all this stuff. I was like, all right, Arthur, just settle down. <laughs> He says he knows them too well and says once again for them to stay right here. Of course, as soon as he's out of sight, they all run away. Of course. Dennis is having a much less fun time as he descends the stairs to the basement. He walks down a hallway surrounded by glass boxes on either side and asks out loud where Cyrus hid his money. So very quickly, again, you see that there's still the writing on the walls in the basement. Yeah. Right. So I did want to talk about how they did the writing on the walls. They're actually physically added on. Shut up. Yeah, they were made by the art department and they were cut and they were placed on each wall. Oh, nice. Very intricately, as you see. Yeah. Uh, The other thing that shocked me is that you see him descend down into this basement. Yeah. They wanted to build three floors originally for this house. (laughs) And they in the end result was only building 1.5 floors. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the basement set is the set we just saw. They just made it just darker like redressed. Oh, and redressed right. it. Damn. Nice. Yeah, you can't even tell. No, yeah, not it, at all. It has a completely different feel to yeah. it. Yeah. They said they were moving because th- they these walls actually move and they were moving them around, changing shape and everything to make everything look different. Yeah. But it was also difficult because the cast is like, I'm getting lost in this fucking yeah. No shit. <laughs> like you're Whoa. changing it every like That's lunch what break. I'm yeah. <laughs> has there been another goddamn rewrite? <laughs> <laughs> But Dennis gets a flash in his mind that knocks him off balance, causing him to drop his hard hat and his papers. He sees something that makes him say, oh, no, and ventures deeper into the basement. He's just wandering around still. Nobody He's looking for his money, man. Yeah, but nobody's thought about him. The, the no. lawyer was all pissed off. He was there. You're not worried how long this dude's been gone? No. No. (laughs) He's with power and light. (laughs) And if you'll sign here. (laughs) Yeah, he's got his own agenda. That is true. In the library, Arthur concludes that he really must be dreaming. He sees a gun and asks if Cyrus was a hunter. Ben's like, you could say that. What is that? What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Any normal human being would be like, no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. You don't get to be cryptic yeah. right now. What no. the fuck are you talking about? And again, I feel like everything the lawyer is saying is like transparently evil. <laughs> yeah. Like, and nobody seems to catch on. You saw that strip of light? That's yeah. never good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But he says that Cyrus was a collector of many things. In the basement, Dennis is still struggling. He gets a flash of a horrifying looking figure with a box around his head, powerful enough to make him drop his flashlight. This is the Jackal, played by Shane Weiler. I feel like when you think of this movie, the Jackal is one of the first things that you think of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, hard to forget. Yeah. So let's get into the backstory. Oh, the Jackal, you say. The Jackal's name was Ryan Kuhn. He was born in 1887 and grew up to basically be a serial killer. He Mm -hmm. preyed on women. He committed himself to a psychiatric facility and was left alone in solitary confinement until like he kind of lost his mind. He scratched at the walls of his cell until his fingernails tore off. So he was put in a straitjacket and he chewed his straitjacket open. So then they put the cage around his head. God damn. Yeah. Holy shit. A fire broke out in the asylum and everyone was able to escape. But Ryan made the decision to stay behind and die in the fire. So that's the Jackal's backstory. All wow. right. I'm still on board these backstories. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I, that one's good too. Yeah. I, yeah, some of them I feel like they put a lot more thought into than other ones. Okay. There, there are a couple characters that I'm like, I don't think you can explain this away with anything fun or cool. <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> but back in the library, Ben tells Arthur that he's marked everywhere that he needs to sign. But Arthur interrupts him. He says that this place is amazing, but he's just a math teacher, and the taxes alone are going to be too much for him to handle. He says he has nothing set aside because the fire took everything from him. As he's speaking, Dennis continues getting his mental ass whooped in the basement. (laughs) But Ben says that there's nothing to worry about. Cyrus was a financial genius and Arthur and his family will never have to worry about money again. Okay, what's the business? Where's the money? Explain it though, please. Well, he was kind of a hunter. (laughs) That means nothing. Yeah, they, yeah. Did he rob banks? I don't he, what know. the fuck? Was he a serial killer as yeah, well? No. <laughs> Holy shit. No we shit. have two serial killers so far. <laughs> but back in the basement, Dennis stumbles and sits down against a wall. He puts on the glasses, you know, the special glasses, yeah. uh-huh. and takes a look around, still being struck with the flashes that he's getting. Behind him, a dead man wearing bloody clothes steps up to the glass. Half of his skull is gone, exposing his brain. This is the Torn Prince, played by Craig Olnick. Dennis turns toward him just in time to see him swing a bat against the glass, causing sparks to fly. So his backstory. All right. His name was Royce Clayton. He was a 17-year-old star baseball player and wanted by like all the professional teams he was going to get out of his small town. Mm-hmm. Until one night, a greaser, so I'm guessing this is like the 50s, yeah. cool. challenges him to a race and his car flipped. Mm. he died so he never left town and he was buried near the baseball field all right that's not bad that's yeah. all right i feel like it's not as good as the well, other no. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i guess you gotta have some of these ghosts are more vengeful than they are evil very much right. so and they say like as we go on these ghosts are numbered and we're gonna get to their number later yeah. but it was like they're in order of like dangerousness okay but there are so they're not so they're not (laughs) very cool i just felt like it was gonna have something to do with baseball or his baseball bat but it was like he was an aspiring baseball player car crash i was like oh okay well all right i guarantee they're trying to play on james dean 100 percent. yeah oh yeah i mean yeah all right (laughs) 
But Dennis runs away from the box just in time for a dead woman with wild hair and white eyes to run screaming up to the glass next to him. Her arms are bound permanently on either side of her face by stocks. This is the pilgrimess played by Xantha Radley. Did anybody else get evil dead vibes when she threw her face? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was like, that's yeah. And I mean, you know, K&B loves evil dead. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they work on Army of Darkness and Evil Dead too, if I'm not mistaken? I believe so. Yeah. I let him. I should know. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Are are you mistaken? (laughs) But the pilgrimess was named Isabella Smith. She immigrated to the colonies from England in 1675. When livestock in the area began to die after she moved there, a preacher accused her of witchcraft. But when the preacher that accused her got a mysterious illness, the townsfolk cornered Isabella in a farmhouse and set it on fire. Isabella escaped, though, completely unburned. So they were sure that she was a witch at this point. They sentenced her to die in the stocks where she was humiliated and beaten for weeks until she starved to death. That's grisly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Historical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love her traveling through time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all over the place. That's what I did like about the ghosts. Yes. Was that they, like you said earlier, they're all different time periods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it does... I don't want to say that it keeps the movie like in like it's it not does date it for me, but it's like, OK, this is fine. Yeah. Because they're everywhere. All over the place. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's strange is like I'm sure somebody more astute and more hilarious than me has made this observation. But isn't it weird when people talk about ghost sightings, like no ghost is ever wearing like a radio head shirt or anything? <laughs> <laughs> it's always That's going to be us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that got me. <laughs> oh. But Dennis screams and runs down the hall. He is horrified when he sees the dire mother played by Lori Soper and the great child played by C. Ernst Harth. We talked about C. Ernst Harth because he was dressed as the great child in Trick or Treat. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Which is really fucking cool. But the dire mother is very small and stares at Dennis wide eyed while her giant baby looks at him shocked with green baby food on his face. Their backstory. The dire mother was named Margaret Shelburne. She was only three feet tall and joined a circus ran by a man named Jimbo and put on the freak show. Sadly, she was assaulted by the tall man in the freak show and ended up giving birth to the great child, Harold Shelburne. He was smothered by his mother, never even learning to use the toilet. That's why he's still in a diaper. Mm. He grew up in the carnival with his mother where they teased both of them. They kidnapped her, the carnies did, kidnapped his mother as a joke and he rampaged trying to find her when he finally found her she was like in a sack and she had suffocated oh my god oh wow so he killed everyone and displayed their body parts all over the carnival and when the owner jimbo came and saw what he had done he had harold mutilated Oh, shit. Uh, we don't really see any mutilation. No. Yeah. It's mostly and just pea soup. M- mostly pea soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got no further uh, details on what the mutilation was. Yeah. But- Do you want to know something funny? Is This is one of the few backstories they talked about in the commentary, and their version of it was not as detailed. Tell me. They said that uh, she overfed this giant <laughs> baby, and he uh, fell on her and suffocated her. He fell. <laughs> what? So what? I, I prefer your story. Yeah. It's um, so funny that both of those exist in the special features. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did you watch your own? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, like we'll get into the numbers of them later on and like why 
like they shouldn't even be next to each yeah. other. On the yeah, thing. That, that's not if right. They're really like they get worse as you go along. Yeah. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> and again, vengeful, not evil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the flashes continue, and Dennis runs away screaming. But Kathy, Maggie, and Bobby excitedly explore upstairs. In the library, Ben hands Arthur a pen and he sits down to sign the paperwork. Dennis comes running in and Arthur is annoyed. He's like, what's wrong with the breakers? <laughs> but Dennis admits that there's nothing wrong with them. He introduces himself, admitting that he's not the power guy, you guys. <laughs> his name is Dennis Rafkin. As soon as Ben hears his name, he says that his office warned him about Dennis, but Dennis continues. He says that he knows how this will sound, but he used to hunt displaced spiritual energies with Cyrus. Arthur has no idea what this means. I feel like I could piece it together, but yeah, Arthur's yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> Dennis tries to explain PK agents, revenants, wraiths. Finally, he has to dumb it completely down. Ghosts. He used to hunt ghosts with Cyrus. Arthur goes, <laughs> goats? Oh, dude, <laughs> you guys have a lovely night. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> Fuck off, I'm out. That's it, no. I tried, I tried, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, no, we're not playing this yeah, game. No. <laughs> movie's over yeah, literally that's roll a... credits. and is it just me or is this giving Pritchett energy 100% yeah. and that's why I, and it only gets more more the it's parallels only get more <laughs> evident but Dennis is fed up with the goats comment <laughs> pleading with Arthur to just listen to him upstairs Bobby challenges Maggie to a race but she says it's not a good idea but she was just faking him out and she takes off running ahead of him in the library, Dennis continues to try to get Arthur to understand. Ghosts are disgruntled spirits trapped on Earth. Arthur and Ben start laughing at this, but Dennis sincerely asks them to not laugh at him. Even as the resident Shaniac, I gotta say, Dennis's urgency would make me worry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be very interested and concerned with what he has to say. Yeah. But I do want to call because I noticed you're, you're, you know, upstairs, the library, the thing. Yes. I just want to say. It was an exhausting script. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. First of all, great job. Thank you. <laughs> Second of all, this continues throughout. Oh, yeah. Yes. And for me, it is a problem with pacing. The editing is kind of a nightmare in this film. The I, I will give it to the editing. I feel like it's they want it to feel... <laughs> The first word that comes to mind is chaotic. Like yeah. there's just a lot of shit going on at once. So uh -huh. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, they did it on purpose. They had to because this is the film that we got. Yeah. But it's like, oh, now we're here. Now we're there. Now we're, it's it's a lot. Like You, you don't have to do that. You'll <laughs> switch over <laughs> upstairs for literally one second and yeah. then we're back downstairs. It's like, okay. And then there's stuff with the editing later. There's stuff that's commendable as far as like seeing shit, not seeing shit. For yeah. sure. But yeah. then there's other times that it's like, oh my God, this flashing light. I'm going to turn my, I'm done. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. turn this off. I'm fucking done. I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> he tells Arthur that he'll explain everything when Arthur gets himself and his children outside. That would be enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like worst case scenario, he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about and we can just walk back inside. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? When he's saying it like my children are in danger. Okay. But upstairs, they finish the race in a room and Bobby is pissed when Maggie wins. He drops his scooter on the floor. The way kids do shit is just like, yeah, <laughs> like take your sweater off now. Nah, like it's just it's yeah. so like the way that he did it was just like, well, I'm fucking done with the scooter. <laughs> no, that that's 
Mike, Mike, no. Is it yeah. really? You're just going to leave that there? It's like, fuck it. Don't even didn't park it. Didn't your dad just yell at you this morning, Edgar Allan Poe? This is my room. This is what he's <laughs> thinking, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's immediately distracted by the collectible figures and comic book setup. He says that this must be his room because there are toys everywhere. Maggie wonders what her room is going to look like as her eye catches on a pair of clear glasses set on the shelf above the toys. Kathy finds her own room with a lush bed with silk sheets and a vanity. She flops onto the bed, overjoyed, and proclaims that this place is awesome. In the library, Dennis explains that Cyrus has containment cubes all over the basement. He says that he doesn't understand why Cyrus did this, but he's not sticking around to find out, and he advises Arthur to do the same. Ben steps in and tells Arthur that Dennis has been harassing his office since Cyrus died. He chalks this up to a rich man passing away and people coming out of the woodwork. As he's talking, Dennis is hit again. He struggles to hold it together as Ben mockingly says the next thing will be that Dennis claims Cyrus owed him a bunch of money. But Dennis says that Cyrus did owe him money. He a did. shitload yeah. of money. Yeah. The sad part is he's telling the truth about everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Back in the room with Bobby, Maggie starts to put on the glasses. Bobby sees and immediately wants them, so she hands them over. Back in the library. <laughs> See? That's what I'm saying. Dennis says that he's leaving. He implores Arthur to get his children and do the same. He starts to leave the room, but he's struck again. This one is so intense that he has to hold onto a chair to keep from falling down. Arthur goes over to him and places a hand on his arm, asking if he's all right. The second that Arthur touches him, Dennis gets a flash of Jean, burning and screaming. This takes him out and he falls onto the floor. Arthur tries to comfort him and the flashes continue. Jean and Arthur watching the kids out the window. Arthur sitting alone. Jean healthy and alive. Jean screaming and burning. Flames engulfing everything. Dennis is on the ground at this point and Arthur assures him that they'll get him help. But Dennis only weakly asks that Arthur not touch him. I can't even imagine having a power like that. Yeah. It's a lot. Like it is nuts and it's ridiculous because any anything and it sucks as well because if fucking Cyrus was thinking about his stack of money. Yeah. Then he's sadly yeah, this that's is what really he's thinking sad. about. Yeah, yeah. That's upsetting. But upstairs, Kathy notices the bathroom attached to her room. It's already stocked with perfumes and she goes over and tries some on, still on cloud nine. So this room is just glass cubes. Yeah. Yeah. And they put them in one by one. That is fucking... And it is... Honestly, this is the only room in the house that I'm like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but whose rooms were these? These are great questions. Yeah, they are set up like yeah. they're for them. Yeah. But yeah. then there's stuff we see earlier. I'm like, did that happen here? Yeah. What but the no. fuck happened? <laughs> did it not? <laughs> Cyrus built this house so it couldn't have with his wife yeah <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying like, yeah whose room is this I don't know it didn't happen here I don't believe it but weak and drooling because Matthew Lillard be drooling yeah it's funny because I remembered this from when I was a kid because when we watched it as kids I remember distinctly this happened and mom's voice behind us just going Ew. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what i heard in my head and felt but arthur asks how his head is and dennis admits that it's not good but he's distracted when he realizes that ben is gone 
Ben goes down to the basement wearing a pair of the special glasses. So it's like, okay, you're in, you're <laughs> yeah. in on this. Yeah. You know he's not lying. No. I was a little annoyed because um, the peripheral vision of this entire family is zero. It's, yeah. it's trash. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> they're uh, concerned with themselves and then the person that they thought was behind them is gone. Yeah. This exact same thing happens later. <laughs> I think it happens three times. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. But anyway... Looking through the glasses, the Latin inscribed on the floors glows brightly. Ben mutters to himself, annoyed with Dennis. Back upstairs, Bobby puts a pair of the special glasses on. He's mesmerized by the glowing words on the floor and races off. Maggie realizes that he's left and races after him. Back in the basement, Mm -hmm. Ben strolls past a box containing the torn prints. The torn prince leans against an overturned and smoking car holding his bat. Once again, knowing his backstory Uh makes perfect sense. Wait, his car is a ghost too? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) His bat is too. (laughs) Is this Pixar's car? Yes. It's very dark. It's a dark version. Very cool. Well, they are revamping like Winnie the Pooh and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's only a matter of time before we get cars. They were ahead of the game. (laughs) (laughs) He looks at Ben intently, causing Ben to pause and ask what he's staring at before continuing. He walks past another container with the firstborn son, played by Michael Speedle, inside. He's a young boy holding an axe, and an arrow pokes through the front of his head. He holds the axe in front of him and stares at Ben as he walks by. Now the firstborn son's backstory... They made it a point to mention that he was a spoiled brat, basically. Okay. But he was obsessed with cowboys. He played with his little, like, toy gun constantly. And when his friend found a bow and arrow in his dad's closet, the other little boy was like, hey, let's play. Uh Like, cowboys and Native Americans or whatever. Uh So they go to play, and his name was Billy Michaels. Does it matter? It doesn't. Okay. So they go to play, (laughs) and Billy's little gun was a toy but the bow and arrow was not a toy okay that's what happened to little billy oh all right what was that was it william tell right i gotta say um least favorite so far (laughs) (laughs) i told you they're not all winners yeah Yeah, that's that's a definite loser So Ben goes past another container with a woman inside. She's the angry princess played by Shauna Lawyer. Her container is streaked with blood. She's naked and Ben remarks, nice tits. She raises her arms and comes toward the glass, spooking him. Now her backstory. Uh Uh-huh. Her name was Dana Newman and she was a very gorgeous woman, but always insecure. They made it a point to mention that she had a string of abusive boyfriends before she got a job at a plastic surgeon's office and agreed to get paid and having procedures done how how does that work out with the irs yeah uh, <laughs> we don't need to worry about okay. it <laughs> anyway okay one night she was at the office alone after the doctors went home and she tried to do work on her own face resulting in her blinding herself in one eye oh wow she goes home and gets undressed sits in the bathtub and mutilates herself until she eventually died Wow. Um, that's not the backstory I would have guessed. Not yeah, at all. No. Especially once we see her later on. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really fit. But, no. that, but that's what we've been given. Okay. All right. <laughs> especially with the uh, now I can't pay you in money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Say no more. <laughs> I will say I did see on a little featurette that they 
applied her makeup it took about four hours yeah Yeah. and it was kind of surprising because it really is just like a lot of slashes yeah Yeah. but you really don't think of all the effort that has to go into it to make it look as good as it does and it does i i uh saw that they said her makeup took the longest out of everyone that's surprising and i thought that was that made no sense until i thought they're doing her entire body yeah that's true so i mean yeah i can see how that would take more time than doing you know what i mean yeah and this is really like her only role wow yeah and like they said that she was so keen on playing this character proper and she does a really good job great and it's interesting and of course you know some people are gonna say oh i know why but it's one of the most memorable ghosts for sure yeah yeah it just uh, gave me pause. It's like when you when they say that when they were doing Seinfeld, um, it took longest to do Jason Alexander's hair, and you're like, what? "You're lying." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how I felt. And then I was like, "Oh no, I yeah. can see how that makes sense." Fair point. Fair point. But Ben reaches the end of the hall and opens a door, stepping into a room with that pendulum thing and the big giant gears. Ben collects a suitcase sitting on top of pedals. And once the suitcase is no longer holding them down, the pedals start to move on their own. Ben like does not give a shit. <laughs> how, how do you not see that? Or no worry idea. or <laughs> that's and... probably fine. He's like, I'm not, I'm not concerning myself. He's here for the money. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Cause he takes a little stack of money and yeah. 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 But upstairs, the room with the circling floor continues circling. Ben reveals, like you said, the suitcase to be full of money and remarks that this isn't bad for an hourly wage. Who's that for? No. Yeah. <laughs> for himself. <laughs> He's like, right, me? <laughs> he closes the case and heads back out of the room. And we see from a shot outside the house that barriers are beginning to slide over the glass walls to the outside. So Vanneke threw the switch? Literally, yeah. dude. And it, again, as it goes on, it's like I was Chris Kattan considered for this? <laughs> <laughs> but inside doors begin to close on their own Dennis takes off his orange jumpsuit and tells Arthur that it's time to go once again his name is Ranch because he'd be dressing <laughs> he's got like a suit with like a yeah. red shirt yeah <laughs> when did you have seriously you have time under to put the, that on? yeah oh under it was the under the jumpsuit, jumpsuit. Oh, okay <laughs> I was like, did he? I, I didn't realize what had happened. I was like, did he raid Cyrus? <laughs> <laughs> no, because there wasn't a cape on there. Oh, fair, fair. But finally listening and noticing the doors closing, Arthur decides to trust Dennis. Ben looks confused as the doors begin to shift in the basement, but he continues to try to leave. Upstairs, Arthur is stopped by a glass wall that wasn't there before. He calls out for Kathy, but of course, they all ran away like they weren't supposed to. So this interesting like closing montage, yeah. yeah, it is a combination of practical doors and CG doors. And you can't tell. Yeah, I couldn't tell all. you. I couldn't tell you which is which. That is so impressive. Yeah, yeah. for two thousand one. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, come on. But downstairs, the door to the bloody container holding the angry princess slides open. She steps out, armed with a knife. We see now that not only is she naked, but her body is covered in slices. Ben starts to back away from her, apologizing for his behavior before. He's like, no, nah, you know, I was just yeah. <laughs> he continues to back up until he comes to a doorway. As soon as he steps into it, the two halves of the door come together on Ben. His eyes go wide and the glasses fall off of his face. His tie falls onto the floor. Still holding her knife, the angry princess watches as the front half of Ben slides down onto the floor, showing the back half of him still stuck to the glass. We see his blood, skull, and brain, half of it anyway, before the back half of him slides down too. 
this is brilliant. Oh, yeah. It's like there are these moments in horror, if you grew up consuming a lot of it, uh-huh. that are like watershed moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but it feels right. <laughs> Close enough. Where it's like, oh, like I've never seen some shit before like this. And going forward, I'm changed for having seen yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. like, that's how I felt at that moment. Right. I, that was like a game changing moment in horror for me. Well, it was really cool. Yes. Yeah. Definitely one for me. I mean, I think it's how smart they are about it. Yeah. It's the glasses yes. and yeah, the tie. Yeah. Like before we like actually see the the grizzly, you know, right, actual right. thing that happened. Yeah. It's and like <gasps> there's small little blood drips. Yeah. Yes. Like it's very, very smartly done. They had said, and this shocked the hell out of me again with how they're using these digital effects. Yeah, yeah. With the practical effects. His front side sliding down is a dummy, but his face was digitally replaced onto it. And it's so convincing. The other side where you see the brain and everything is an anatomically correct dummy as well. Oh, no. That is so fucking cool. It's brilliant. That looks good. It does. It's just one of these moments that even if you don't like this or you, you know, only saw it once when it came out or whatever, you do not forget this. Yeah. it's, It's just one of those moments. But upstairs, Arthur calls out to his kids and the angry princess looks up at his voice before walking away. I do want to say as amazing as it is, Mm -hmm. it does kind of put the rest of the film at a disadvantage because nothing is going to be this cool. again. Yeah, not not quite like that. And you're like, oh, shit, what's in store? Well, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, upstairs, Arthur looks angrily through the house as Dennis trails him. Arthur is appalled that they walked away when he told them not to. But Dennis is like, they're kids. What do you expect? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go through that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not a kid. No. (laughs) (laughs) Arthur makes the decision for them to split up, find them, and meet back. We cut to Bobby on his scooter, presumably still running away from Maggie, I guess. Arthur heads up to the second floor calling for Kathy, and we see that she is still having the time of her life in the bathroom. There's a pair of the special glasses and our view approaches them and goes through the lens to reveal that the clean bathroom that Kathy stands in is covered in blood. See, so this is where we were saying it's kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it it doesn't match up with the backstory that we're given. No. Yeah. And it makes you think it happened here. Yeah. Yes. I know that Homeboy brought his car with him or whatever. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I guess we should chill. He's but. like, I need a big container. <laughs> <laughs> but Kathy primps, smiling at herself and fixing her hair as the angry princess walks up behind her, playing with her own hair. Kathy is oblivious. The curtain for the bathtub flutters, but Kathy doesn't notice. The spinning circles on the main floor continue to spin quickly as the giant gears in the center of the house continue to move. The house slowly seals itself up. So this was not a thing of the original. No. Like they were kind of just rocking about in this haunted house. <laughs> <laughs> so they could have just left. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> like they had a fucking like visitor. Like yeah. it was not. <laughs> so at least here it's like you're trapped. You right. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's very house on Haunted Hill. Yeah. 100%. It's still uh, new. Yeah. <laughs> Finally finished in the mirror, Kathy rips the shower curtain open and squeals with delight at the clean tub inside. What she doesn't see, though, is I'm sorry smeared in blood on the floor and the angry princess sitting in the bathtub. She stares at Kathy as Kathy turns on the water, not seeing that the tub is already full of blood. 
Kathy fills her hands with the water and watches her face as the angry princess watches. She looks at the running water and it suddenly turns to blood. Kathy fills her hands with it and brings it up to her face. And just as the angry princess raises her knife and lunges toward Kathy, Arthur knocks on the door to the bathroom and lets himself in. Like, I know that you're looking for me, but like, this is still a bathroom. Don't just be buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing in here. It was a long ride. I got to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did hear on the commentary that this scene actually took extra care with the actress who played the angry princess, angry princess. Thank you. Since all this stuff was on as far as the makeup is concerned, she's underwater. Yeah. And so they had to coat her entire body with a waterproof adhesive. Uh And it they said that it took longer to do everything, it took longer to film, but I mean you get the scene. Yeah. So it worked. Yeah. But Arthur chastises Kathy for leaving when he had told him to stay put, and her only excuse is that the bathroom is unbelievable. Arthur asks where Bobby is and Kathy said that he's with Maggie, but Maggie walks in behind Arthur and is like, well, Bobby was with Maggie. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She says that they were racing and just kind of trails off. Arthur reminds her that he pays her to watch Bobby and he leaves to go look for his son. Somehow Kathy is now pissed off and she storms out behind him. Why? Okay, but why at this moment then? Why isn't the ghost bothering them? She's like, I'll wait. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're <laughs> right there. Yeah, got some family drama. You going get a on. triple kill immediately. <laughs> yeah, what are dude. you doing? The announcer's proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby continues riding his scooter down the halls, and levers pull themselves, causing different doors to open. One door opens just as Bobby, who is wearing the special glasses, rides past it. The door reveals stairs leading to the basement, and Bobby stops in his tracks when he hears someone down there whispering his name. Believing it to be Maggie. Okay. Nope, 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 nope. (laughs) Yeah, this fucking... Yeah, no, no, no. It infuriated me. Yeah, same. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? He listens when the voice invites him to come and play. We see someone walk by and disappear and maniacal laughter as Bobby picks up his scooter and starts down the stairs. The voice continues to coax him, but another voice tells Bobby to stay there and not come down. Fearfully, it tells Bobby not to follow her. Okay, so he confused this clearly evil spirit yeah. for Maggie. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to give away what is going on with the other voice. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're telling me he doesn't? It? Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck? Even even <laughs> if it's a, the uh, an age issue or whatever, right? You're still being warned. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. still being warned. It's clear. It's a fifty fifty thing. One's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other one's like by name, like Bobby. Yeah, don't yeah. Don't yeah, fucking do don't it. Don't do it. But then, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be like well. Jackson. Are you fucking for real, yeah. dude? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. It's unbelievable. But the second one is fearfully saying not to come down. And the first one insists and Bobby continues down the stairs after hesitating for a moment. He just yells down to the basement that he's going to tell his dad. You're just shaking your head. (laughs) (laughs) Me and JP kind of just exchanged a look of just Sharing a moment. Good Lord. Yeah, I, I, the same way. I was like, really? Come on, dude. What are you doing? It's unbelievable. And look, I will say as a person who was a child once. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're so unique. Uh, yeah, I know. No, nobody else has experienced this. <laughs> but there's no fucking way I'm going down there. Absolutely not. And especially in this new house that we've never set foot in before. Yeah. We have no idea what's down here. And there's all, no way in hell. And on the cool, you're a kid. Everything's way bigger than it, yeah. than it really is. That too. This house is spooky. Why are you going down there? And it's the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Come on, kid. No. Arthur, Kathy, and Maggie head down to the main floor. Arthur tells them that he will find Bobby, but they both need to get out of the house now. Kathy stops to ask him why he's freaking out, and he pleads with her to just this once not argue with him. Finally listening to Arthur, Kathy and Maggie head to the front door, which is now gone. The house has shifted, and it's just another wall of glass. Arthur's solution is to pick up a chair and try to break the glass wall with it, but this only results in a broken chair. Dennis has accepted his fate and sits in a chair behind them holding his medication bottle, which I thought would come into play later. Like maybe he really wouldn't be able to yeah. see stuff if he's taking his medication, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That makes more sense then. Cause I was like, he's like super chill. And two seconds ago, he was freaking the fuck out. Yeah. 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 There's no more spit on his chin. <laughs> no. He's like, hey, he's fine. <laughs> Is this when he starts hitting on Evelyn Stockard Price? <laughs> <laughs> he really would like to get laid before yeah. <laughs> He tells <laughs> what he does say <laughs> is that the house is sealed and Arthur is just wasting his time. Kathy's like, weren't you wearing an orange jumpsuit? It's like, all right. Yeah, we're not. Uh, able to get past catch it. up. Catch up. <laughs> Dennis says that he's looked and there's no other way out. The house is completely sealed. I don't know when Dennis looked. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But he, but he looked. Arthur says that he'll find a way out after he finds Bobby and tells Dennis to come with him. But Dennis isn't trying to hear it. He invites them to go look around, but he's not moving. Arthur puts his foot down, saying that he really doesn't know who Dennis is and his son is missing. So Dennis is staying with him until they find Bobby and get out of the house. That's reasonable. It, it really yeah. is. Dennis concedes. As they venture off to go look for Bobby, Maggie says, did the lawyer split? Oh, nah. Yeah. I got to say, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah, that is. And the line reading. Yeah. <laughs> Chef's, Chef's kiss. <laughs> But the room with the circle on the floor is still spinning, but more of the rows are spinning now. Bobby wanders around the basement, walking with his scooter. The levers move on their own, opening different containers. He's still wearing the glasses, but he doesn't see anything as he continues further into the basement. He yells out for them to stop hiding from him, but he gets no response. When he steps into another aisle, someone walks past our view of him. Back upstairs, the family looks around, calling after Bobby, but Dennis stops them. The glass is soundproof and shatterproof. They're only wasting their time. Hold on, though, Hmm. because when he was screaming for them earlier, the ghost heard him. That is true. She's got special ears. Oh, Oh. come on now. (laughs) Now We heard him. (laughs) Are you this movie's... (laughs) Are you their publicist? Listen... We heard him screaming. We, we did. don't know the rules of ghosts. Oh. You, don't, you don't get it. I do want to say he he, <laughs> he said the glasses were ectobar, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Ectobar glasses. I googled it, and they're like, "Did you mean October?" Because <laughs> that doesn't fucking exist. <laughs> that is a fictional. It does here. Fictional glass. It means soundproof and shatterproof in Latin. Or? Yeah. <laughs> 
Maggie asks what the Latin written on the glass is, and Dennis says that they're containment spells. The ghosts can't cross them. Kathy's like, ghosts? <laughs> Goats? <laughs> <laughs> Dennis explains that the supernatural realm has laws. The ghosts have to listen to the spells, whether they're written or spoken, and also they can hear through the ectobar glass. <laughs> you added that yeah. last part. No, I didn't. <laughs> you, you, guys were, <laughs> you guys weren't paying attention. <laughs> part of the feature at? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. Thank you, John. Yeah. Don't help her. <laughs> In the basement, Bobby stands looking around when someone steps up behind him. It's the bound woman played by Laura Minnell. She stands in a prom dress with a tie knotted around her neck and her hands tied behind her. She shakes as she stares at him helplessly, maggots in her hair. Bobby screams and runs away. Now, the bound woman's name was Susan LeGros. She was the most popular girl in school from the richest family in town, but they said that she loved toying with men. She went to the prom with the captain of the football team and he caught her with another man cheating that same night at prom at prom. So the next day, the man that she was cheating with was found dead and Susan was missing. She was later found buried under the football field bound and strangled. And they said that the football player or the captain of the football team or whatever uh-huh. was caught and executed and his last words were the bitch broke my heart so i broke her neck jesus christ wow why didn't he just throw her phone into some vanilla pudding <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i thought that was how you yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad story it's not not bad upstairs though dennis continues to explain that the entire basement is filled with ghosts he holds up a pair of the glasses, saying that he can prove it, and Maggie's like, oh, I gave a pair of those to Bobby. Cool. Yeah. Back downstairs, Bobby continues to scream, riding away on his scooter until he falls. In front of him is the torso, played by Daniel Wesley. He's exactly what his name sounds like, nothing but a torso wrapped in clear plastic. In front of him is his own severed and screaming head, also wrapped in plastic. Interestingly, the actor who plays the torso, yeah, he is a guy called Daniel Wesley. Yeah, he's actually a double amputee, and they had him perform this role, but they put a hood over his head, all right, and removed it in post, and then put it. That's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's, wow. again, that is very fucking yeah. cool. Very, very well done. Oh yeah. But the torso's name was Jimmy the Gambler Gambino. He was the son of a bookie and a compulsive gambler. Very often, because he gambled so much, he didn't have the money to pay people out when they won. Mm -hmm. But he caught the attention of a made man. The man placed a bet with Jimmy and won big, but Jimmy didn't have the money to pay him. As a result, the mafia cut him up, wrapped the pieces in cellophane, and tossed him into the ocean. I am a fan of this story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything with the mob. Oh, same. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Very intrigued. Oh, yeah. So that's another good one. They've only missed one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is that (laughs) fucking arrow kid. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It was that one for me and the, the, um, the Torn Prince. All right. That one wasn't bad, but I felt like we were really going a certain way with the baseball. Right, right. And then they were like, nah, yeah. son. Yeah. Like, I don't know it. No, that was just his hobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're fine. It has nothing to do with it. <laughs> not everything ties together. Like, yeah. That's not how life works. No pun intended, but you better prepare for some curveballs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
But back upstairs, Dennis explains that the glasses are spectral viewers that enable you to see ghosts. He hands a pair to Maggie and she puts them on, but she says she can't see anything. He says that's because all the ghosts are locked downstairs. Maggie looks down on the ground and notices that there's Latin written there, too. Downstairs, Bobby runs into a glass wall and falls, his recorder and the spectral viewers clattering onto the floor. Dennis asks for the glasses back and looks through them to inspect the messages on the floor. He recognizes them as hidden barrier spells, but questions why Cyrus would need more protection. Arthur is fed up and tells them to stop with the haunted house nonsense until they find Bobby and get out of here. They continue searching, but when Arthur heads down into the basement, Dennis loses his shit. He stops Arthur, reminding him that it's not a petting zoo downstairs, it's ghosts. Arthur placates him, but says that Dennis also said that the ghosts are locked up. Dennis still refuses to go into the basement, so Arthur strikes a deal with him. He'll pay him back whatever Cyrus owed him if he just helps him find Bobby. I gotta be honest, this weird house. Yeah. yeah. I'm believing Dennis. Whatever, I, whatever yeah, this dude says. Like, yeah. He obviously knows something. Yes. No something. Shit. But they're all like, yeah, goats, yeah. you mean? <laughs> <laughs> whatever, loser. Fuck off, yeah. Dennis. <laughs> Are those my uncle's clothes? <laughs> <laughs> you better put those back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not even believing him because he just said that you can't hear through the walls and they're like, Bobby! Yeah, no. <laughs> It's like, it's like, dude, at least believe that part. No, sh- like, Jesus Christ. Why is why is he here then? If you're like, let him sit in the library. Yeah, no shit. Dennis hesitates for a moment before putting on his spectral viewers and leading the way into the basement. In the basement, the voices continue to whisper Bobby's name as he wakes up. He fucking <laughs> knocked himself yeah. out. Yeah. Timmy O'Toole's radio. Yeah. <laughs> A voice tells him to get upstairs and urges him to put on his glasses. He does and looks in front of him to see his mother. She's burned and wearing a hospital gown. She holds onto an IV pole as she walks toward him. He calls out to her, but her voice only insists that he go upstairs and find his father. Bobby backs up into a wall and stares at her. She tells him to watch out and he turns to see Cyrus. His shirt is stained with blood and his tie flaps in the breeze. (laughs) He's wearing what he died in. Yeah. I just want to (laughs) say, seeing Cyrus, because doesn't he react kind of ridiculously when he sees boy? Boy? (laughs) 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 It's it's getting late. These are a lot of names to remember. (laughs) (laughs) It's like fucking 12 ghosts. (laughs) Remember Bobby? Bobby. That's right. Uh, He kind of reacts interestingly when he sees boy, which only makes me laugh. Uh, knowing what we learn later. Well, you know, anyway. Okay. But Cyrus, you're right. He yells and he slams his hand against the glass between him and Bobby. Our view is on Bobby's feet as he is snatched up and the glasses fall to the floor. But I want to make it a point to say that Cyrus is wearing what he died in. Right. Yes, he is. Okay. So Dennis, Arthur, Kathy, and Maggie enter the basement, still yelling for Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis is like, this is fucking (laughs) You're on my last nerve. This is beyond (laughs) (laughs) the most disrespectful (laughs) shit. (laughs) But Dennis asks them all to calm down. He looks around cautiously, but before he turns down an aisle, the juggernaut appears and disappears before Dennis can see him. 
Kathy walks past a container where the torn print swings his bat at the glass between them, but she can't see it. Dennis tries to lead the group to another area, but Arthur stops him. He says that the place is just too big to search together. I would what? punch Arthur in his yeah, fucking face. Yeah. You're not the leader anymore. So they should split up. The, this is not fucking Scooby-Doo. No, like, I, know. I don't know how to explain yeah. to you how fucking dangerous this is. I know Matthew Lillard is there, which is, makes yeah. it a little bit. Right? <laughs> but it's still not. It is not. He says that he'll go with Kathy one way and Dennis and Maggie will go together another way. Dennis protests the idea of them splitting up, but Arthur says that they will each walk in a straight line and then come straight back to meet in five minutes. Okay, I understand he's saying that. Yeah. But what the fuck that's has not, been happening? Yeah. yeah. The house it's is... It's moving. Yeah. yeah. No shit. So what happens then? This hall is not a hall? It's yeah. not. In five minutes? Funky old house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis reluctantly agrees, but tells them not to touch anything. We see the giant gears grinding and the circle floor still spinning before returning to Dennis and Maggie. She asks for further clarification on the ghost, but Dennis tells her that if she doesn't believe him, she can see it for herself. He hands her the glasses back and she puts them on, but reminds him that she couldn't see anything through them. It's like, I just fucking told you yeah. <laughs> the ghosts are down here. Why is nobody listening? <laughs> no not one. at all. It's just irritating. He takes the glasses back and leads her to a container, but is horrified to find that it's open. It wasn't open when he was down here earlier. He turns to look at the container across, and just as he gets close, a ghost appears. This is the hammer, played by Herbert Duncanson. He is huge and wearing chains, with spikes and nails sticking into and poking out of his head, shoulders, and arms. He swings and sparks fly against the glass, scaring Dennis and making him back up. Very quickly, something interesting about Herbert Duncanson. He was actually the stand-in for the guy who was supposed to play the hammer originally. Huh. Uh, and I don't know if that guy didn't show up, if yeah. that guy just was like, you know what, this isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after his absence, they gave it to Herbert Duncanson. And interestingly, I did read as well, he was a former pro wrestler. Oh, shit. Who was trained by Arn Anderson. Oh, hell yeah. I was like, holy <laughs> what shit. What the hell? Yeah. And so this dude's cool. This yeah. awesome. <laughs> Is he a horseman? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> He's the fifth horseman. Yeah. <laughs> but the Hammer's backstory. His name was George Markley, and he was a happy and honest blacksmith in the 1890s. He was accused of stealing by a wealthy man, but George stood up to him because he didn't do it. So in retaliation, I guess this was the type of dude that you didn't fuck with. Oh. The man and his like cronies found George's wife and kids and killed them. Jesus. George tracked them down and beat them all to death with his hammer. Townsfolk, in response to this, tied him to a tree and hammered nails and spikes into him. They cut off his hand and replaced it with his hammer. Was this near an apiary? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> that's very Candyman. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Not that it's a bad story. No. No, it's good. And that's the last one. I didn't uh, write one down for Jean because we, we were there. Yeah. Right. Like we saw hers. But uh -huh. that's, that's their backstories. You know, it's kind of become a very popular idea in a lot of horror circles uh -huh. to get some kind of mini series on yeah. each of these. Oh, backstories. Yeah. I would absolutely. Hell I yeah. would love that. Honestly, reading their backstories, I was like, 
not me about to fucking dust off my fanfiction.net account yeah. <laughs> and write my own fucking backstory. Are you telling me that Raven Starkweather has, oh my been, God, don't tell them. has been reborn? <laughs> Hey, you son of a hey, bitch. I was I was Shadow Star. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're all embarrassing ourselves. It's fine. <laughs> we all had our aliases. <laughs> but Dennis laments that he hates when they do that. They wait until you have your face right against the glass and give you a boo. This scares Maggie. <laughs> but she puts the glasses on and looks into the container. She sees the hammer and is at a loss for words. Dennis is overjoyed that someone finally believes him. It's sad that they had to literally fucking see yeah. the ghost to be like, Dennis, oh. you maybe you're on <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> oh, you weren't lying. Wow. Oh, all right. Wow. <laughs> Sorry about the whole evening. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Are they just screaming again? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they don't believe they, him. They don't fully believe him. <laughs> but Dennis explains that ghosts are around us constantly. Most of them can't hurt us and they don't even want to. But there are exceptions to those rules. Ghosts like the hammer die violently and stay in a tortured realm. So torture is all that they know. The hammer pulls a spike out of his arm and Maggie asks what he's doing. So Dennis takes her glasses to see when he tries to inspect the hammer scares him again. Maggie's had enough and demands that they leave. But Dennis comes back to give the hammer the finger. The hammer backs away from him and suddenly Dennis sees visions of himself being thrown around by the juggernaut. He sees himself bleeding and being thrown onto the ground. I will say this is, it's a very, very specific pet peeve that I have. Yeah. When in a film, they show very real footage (laughs) (laughs) that we'll probably experience later (laughs) as a premonition. Yeah, yeah. Because I think what pisses me off about it is it's the same angle. Yeah. You know, like if it's a premonition, you should be seeing the shit from your eyes. But you're like, this is how Gail, whatever the cinematographer's name was, (laughs) Tattersall shot it. This is is his mind's eye or whatever. Like, no, it should be from Dennis's. Yeah. Like psychic visions aren't first person ever. (laughs) Nay. You're you're a ride or die. (laughs) And I I can't fault you for that. But... (laughs) sometimes <laughs> i'm really grasping at straws here you're <laughs> right it is it is honestly hilarious to think to think of it that way yeah. and it happens a lot it does yeah because yeah. when you shine don't you you're seeing <laughs> right? it through somebody else's eyes <laughs> everybody knows that yeah, exactly <laughs> well shine on dennis i guess <laughs> <laughs> But Arthur frantically searches and Kathy trails behind him until they find Bobby's glasses and his recorder. Arthur rewinds the recorder and presses play to hear Bobby screaming. That is it, that's got to be the worst fucking oh, yeah. thing to hear like playing that back. But when did that happen? Thank you. Uh <laughs> Did he grab that, the mic? That, yeah, <laughs> that was that was one thing that watching it now, yeah. I was like that never happened like at all. No. Because he he hit the wall and fell. Mm-hmm. Was that recording the whole time? He was searching for the snare in his headphones. Oh. Hey. And then- <laughs> I just want you to know and and the, 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 the listeners at home can't see it, but Nate takes a very 
<laughs> interesting defensive posture. And the second she takes it, I know the only thing coming out of her mouth is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> nearly every point. <laughs> You've been wearing that out today. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's about to pass out. <laughs> I'm dead now. <laughs> Listen, I got to do what I got to do. I respect that. <laughs> but Kathy, <laughs> I'm not on trial here, right? <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. I don't know. <laughs> Just keep you're, going. You're stressing me out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kathy reassures her father that everything's going to be okay and that they'll find him. Dennis and Maggie continue together until Dennis spots an open container with the symbol for the jackal on it. He describes the jackal as the Charlie Manson of ghosts. And if the jackal is loose, <laughs> then they don't need to worry about Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> they need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Kathy tries to reason with Arthur that maybe Dennis was telling the truth, but Arthur snaps at her, saying that there's no such thing as ghosts. Would you be that adamant still, T? I ask you because I feel like I, I believe in everything. I feel like John Paul believes in more than you. Probably. So. I think that there would come a point in time, much like I think if Shane Madej was confronted with the right evidence. He would still say no. Well, on, <laughs> he would still say no. For the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there comes a point in time where it's like, yeah, I can explain that. Yeah. yeah. And there comes a time when someone's fear and urgency overrides your skepticism. Yeah. Right, right. Where even if you don't believe them, it's like, maybe we should get out yeah. of here. Yeah. Like, you're kind of convincing. Yes. I think we need to go. You yeah. have to. Yeah. But as her father walks away, Kathy puts on the glasses. In front of her is the jackal his head confined within an iron box and the front broken to reveal his face. He screams and lunges at Kathy, knocking her to the ground. His arms free because of his unbound straitjacket, he pushes Kathy along the floor before lifting her up onto the wall. She screams and Arthur comes back to see his daughter, presumably floating against the glass wall. The jackal slashes at Kathy, clawing up her face and ripping open her shirt. From Arthur's view, the slashes just appear on Kathy as she screams. These slashes are all digital. Really? Yeah. That's... Yeah. Wow. Never guessed that. Not at all. He grabs her legs and tries to pull her away from the jackal, but the jackal holds onto Kathy's arms. Suddenly, someone walks toward them with a flare. It's Kalina. Remember her? Yeah, man. Miss Honey. Miss Honey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The jackal looks up at her just as she throws the flare, and then the jackal disappears. The flare, you say? Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought we'd never see those again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, it was misdirection. Yeah. Ah, so they're brilliant. Is right, yeah. exactly. Very cool. The flare hits the wall, and Kathy is dropped to the ground. Arthur is still holding her legs, and Kalina grabs onto Kathy and instructs Arthur to pull her. Arthur's like, who are you? I'm like, I, I, I would not give a fuck. No. Yeah. How'd you get in here? That too. That. Yeah. Because that can, we yeah. can get out. Oh, yeah. But Kalina demands a little less talking and a lot more pulling. <laughs> Dennis and Maggie walk until he sees the firstborn son. Terrified, he tells Maggie not to talk or move. Somehow, they've gotten behind enemy lines. The firstborn son stares at them, blood from the arrow in his head staining his face. Kalina and Arthur pull Kathy down the corridors, but the jackal is back, chasing Kathy through every turn that they make. Dennis tries to talk to the firstborn son, but Maggie chastises him for pissing the ghosts off more. The firstborn son disappears, and Dennis suggests that they go now. 
so I was like 10 years old when we saw this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I distinctly remember the sequence with the jackal in this point actually scaring me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, well, because the way that he attacks is yeah. honestly pretty frightening. Like, it's still frightening. Yeah. It's, it's like so, frenzied. Yeah. I still kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sleeping tonight. Yeah. <laughs> The jackal continues to chase Kathy until suddenly a glass door slams shut and the jackal runs right into it, making the Latin spells written on it glow. He claws angrily at the glass mm-hmm. and it I thought it looked really oh, good. Yeah. That's pretty good still. Dennis screams at Maggie to stop walking and when she asks what, he just points behind her where the angry princess approaches her with her knife. Maggie reminds him that she can't see without the glasses since he can, he advises her to move and fast. She gets out of the way just as the angry princess brings her knife down, missing Maggie. Arthur holds Kathy as she sobs. He wraps his jacket around her and hugs her before turning to Kalina and asking who she is and what that was. Kalina introduces herself and says that she's in the spirit reclamation business. She frees trapped souls. She tries to explain her relation to Cyrus, but Arthur interrupts her, asking what she's doing here now. She's like, well, it looks like I'm saving your ass. Uh, it's like, so let's bring the attitude down a little bit. <laughs> All right. But how'd you get in here? I mean, we that, still want to know. That part, oh, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll say it in a nicer tone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> the jackal appears in his container and screams, scaring Kathy, who is still wearing the glasses. Arthur can't see anything. And Kalina urges Kathy to give her father the glasses. Arthur puts them on and is horrified when he sees the jackal. Kalina identifies the jackal as one of Cyrus's victims and says that she can only hope that the containment spells work. Arthur is confused by her choice of the word victim, and she explains that Cyrus had a habit of enslaving souls. She's here to set them free. Arthur disregards this and says that he needs to know how Kalina got inside. There you go, John Paul. <laughs> oh, okay, but now you've just seen the ghost and you're trying to write. I don't give a shit about that. How'd you get in here? Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking for real, dude? He's always Can focusing we, uh, on the wrong thing. Yeah, because that, that's earth shattering. Yeah. yeah. Especially when two minutes ago you were like, there's no such thing I as don't, ghosts. I don't even care how you got in here now. Yeah. I, you're telling that? me that attacked my daughter. And I can't see that. Uh huh. We we have to get out. Yeah. Yeah. We've changed priorities. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kalina says that she snuck through an opening when the house was shifting. Arthur's like, "Well, where was it?" She's like, "Let that go. It's closed, and it's not happening again." Can we check? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Like it's shifting every ten Is minutes. This year. <laughs> <laughs> She pulls out her giant book and says it's the Arcanum. She opens it, explaining that many people died in the quest for it. She gives a quick history lesson. The Arcanum was written in the 15th century by Basilius, an astronomer. He wrote it while he was under demonic possession about a machine that could see the future. All right. <laughs> she says That's all good. of this yeah. like it's like like super chill. Like yeah. not everything that she just said was fucking bananas. Well, <laughs> I can't remember what episode I brought this up on, but it's very, very much giving Klaus's they're after this amulet. <laughs> <laughs> none of this shit. It was the yeah. it was the medallion thing from the first power. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Thank you. But yeah, I'm like, yeah. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> cool. As she speaks, we see all the machines in Cyrus's house, the giant gears, the spinning floors, the levers. She says that she can't believe that Cyrus actually built it. Arthur still doesn't understand. 
Kalina says that they are sitting in the middle of Basilius's device, a machine designed by the devil and powered by the dead. So is this how he squandered the family fortune? Yeah. Um, <laughs> one would That's assume. right. Yeah. <laughs> I will say it's a very cool sentence. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Arthur concludes that he doesn't give a shit about any of this. He just wants to get his family out of here. But he did, like, ask questions. So yeah. Yeah, so you, she's you, answering you. Yeah. <laughs> but who's counting? See, he's just kind Kalina. of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I, I wish that they had given him more to work with or that he had, they had made him like a more likable character. The only kind of redeeming quality that he has is he really loved his wife and he loves his kids. Yeah. yeah. But he kind of treats people like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's clouded by the fact that we love Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. yeah. And so here we are pretending that this is okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kalina says that she came here to set the souls in the house free. So if he wants her help, he's going to have to help her first. Arthur turns to ask Kathy if she can walk. But when he does, he realizes that she's gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> and what, when we find out what happened later, that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it. I need to know how. Yeah. I want a villain monologue yeah. showing us <laughs> from the point of view of the... <laughs> He and Kalina both jump up. Clutching the Arcanum, Kalina says that they need to get out of here, which we've already yeah. established. <laughs> see, I think you're starting to see yeah. some of the... No, no, no. <laughs> some of the threads coming we're loose. We're scared. We're confused. Yeah, wow. <laughs> we're flowing. We're... All right. Well, I'm still it's on board. fine. It's fine. <laughs> but Arthur says that he's not going anywhere without his kids. Kalina says that he should try telling him that. Arthur follows her gaze and sees the firstborn son holding his axe and staring at them, standing sideways on the wall. Now, how's he doing that? He's the only one I see doing that. Yeah. Like a lot of the times that we see him, he's upside down. He's fucking standing on walls. Like, uh -huh. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that like first publicity still of it chapter one? Where it just showed Pennywise like floating in the thing <laughs> in the sewer tube, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" Is that? <laughs> like that's that's kind of how that made me feel. I'm like, "How is this even? <laughs> Why, Why is this even? <laughs> <laughs> what are you gaining?" <laughs> the gears continue, and the house shifts again as Dennis and Maggie still wander around. When they spot stairs and try to head over to them. No, I, this, part, oh, no. it pissed me the fuck off. No. Keep, keep going, keep going. The house continues to shift and a wall begins to press in on them. Maggie tries to push Dennis out of the way, but he's like, don't touch me. He backs up and she goes forward, the wall pressing in and separating them. Just before it closes, Dennis tosses her the glasses, saying that she'll need them. Maggie catches them, but looks back to see that Dennis is now in one of the boxes, and she apologizes to him. Okay, another part pissed me off. It wasn't this one. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do think that with Dennis knowing all this stuff about the glasses, I think they should have invested in finding more pairs of these. Well, they're sprinkled all around the house. Like, what is I this, mean, a fucking like, Resident Evil? Yeah, no shit. You gotta find them. To yeah, sell. what is this? Check there's your inventory. Herbs, yeah. There's <laughs> And he was almost the Jill sandwich. <laughs> but the house completes its shift before completely closing off again. Arthur reaches another dead end, seeing stairs that he can't reach. He turns his back to the glass and Kalina quietly tells him to get away from it. He's like, 
Why? Well, <laughs> <laughs> hold on though, because when they come to, when they come to that dead end, <laughs> yeah. he turns to her and he goes, "Okay, genius, where to go now?" What a fucking asshole! That's what that's, that's what pisses me off. <laughs> okay, but I was like, dude, she is not only did she save your life, yeah, and your daughter's the life of your daughter, yeah, like just you suck. Yeah, for me, it was um, the fact that we've now established. <laughs> That there literally are ghosts down here. Yeah. They're horrifying and they're behind those glass walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, move. Why? <laughs> <laughs> what could the reason be? You stay here. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Right, don't move. Yeah. I'll find a way out. She urges him to just listen to her. Arthur turns around slowly and comes face to face with the hammer. He and Kalina back away from him and turn the corner to see the jackal running toward them, only to run right into a containment spell and be stopped again. Stuck in the box, Dennis winces in pain as he's struck. Maggie puts on the glasses in time to see the torn prince swinging his bat and sending Dennis flying to the other side of the box. Maggie instructs him on where and how to move to keep from being hit. When a piece of glass lifts up for a moment, Dennis rolls through and it closes <laughs> the torn prints inside by itself. Look, I'm laughing yeah. because I, I've not seen a pane of glass lift up vertically like yeah. <laughs> at all. But, no, neither have I. I will say yeah. his, his action roll is <laughs> so hilarious to me. I don't yes. know why. It's perfect. Because it's it, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that's what it is. It's that's too perfect. It's too perfect for this moment. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little sloppy, but he's like a he's a sphere. Yeah, <laughs> he's Sonic. He is Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Arthur tells Kalina to hurry up and figure something out as she searches through the book. She says they need to get to the library because it has protection spells all around it. Arthur asks where the library is from here, and Kalina looks up. It's like we know it's upstairs. Yeah, but. we've we've been in the house. <laughs> and how does he? Uh, never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> upstairs, Maggie and Dennis make it back up to the main floor. The side of Dennis's head bloody from his run in with the torn prints. Maggie asks Dennis if she can trust him not to get her killed, but he makes it clear that he guarantees nothing. Downstairs, Arthur holds a flare as Kalina climbs wires up to the ceiling. Back upstairs, <laughs> Dennis cautiously leads the way for Maggie. When he doesn't see anything, he says the ghost may only be downstairs. Maggie says that if they make it out of this alive, she's demanding a pay raise. I understand she's going through a lot. Yeah. Don't know that she's earned that. Because <laughs> this is partially. You're not what I describe yeah. as great at your no. job. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say it, but it's kind of your fault the kids lost yeah i mean a little bit <laughs> right not to point fingers no but no no and he was being a dick earlier but yeah. yeah kalina makes it up and removes a piece of the glass ceiling so that she and arthur can climb up to the main floor on the main floor dennis is hit again with flashes maggie tells him to keep it together but dennis stares straight ahead as the great child and the dire mother appear the great child holds his mother's hand with one hand and swings an axe by his side with the other. Dennis freezes and Maggie asks what he's seeing. He's like, it's a big ass baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you even describe what that you're seeing? That would have been a real response. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would be freaking out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just tells her to shut up and the two of them slowly back up until the great child and the dire mother disappear and then they begin to run. <laughs> 
Kalina puts up her flare and book before lifting herself up onto the main floor, just as Dennis and Maggie are coming toward her, scaring the shit out of them. Dennis demands to know what she's doing here. The giant gears are spinning even faster, and most of the circle floor is spinning now. Remember, it was only the middle? Yeah. Now it's almost all of it. Damn. A symbol all lines up on the rings and a glass door slides open. It's the door containing the hammer who starts toward Arthur, who is now alone in the basement. He begins to climb up frantically, making it out just as the hammer swings at him. He may. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's a not, it's a very short detour, oh, but God. the thing <laughs> is, is that whenever he looks up, he's very impatient. Yeah. Obviously. But he says, remember me? <laughs> and what I thought was happening was <laughs> him coming to terms with his mortality. <laughs> and, and he's like, remember me. <laughs> but I was wrong. <laughs> That's not what was happening at all. He's like, he I'm was trying to get out. Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking dead. He's just <laughs> <accepting>. <laughs> That's what I thought was happening. <laughs> Write a song about me. <laughs> And I was like, dude, just keep watching the movie. <laughs> You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. And don't tell anyone about it. And here I am. Here you are. Here you are. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Consulting the book, Kalina tells them where they need to go. Dennis is hesitant, but when Arthur tells him to trust her, they're off. Maggie asks who Kalina is, and Dennis promises to explain later. The lovers continue moving on their own, and doors slide open by themselves as screams echo through the house. Holding her flare out in front of her, Kalina leads the way. Dennis asks what happened to Kathy, and Arthur says that she disappeared. Dennis is like, how do you manage to lose an entire family in a glass house? But Arthur just stares at him as a reply. Because he has nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't know myself. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Dennis is suddenly struck with another flash. He grabs the back of his head and cries out. Arthur continues on without him when he stops. But in the distance between them, the jackal steps in. Suddenly, Arthur is thrown as Dennis screams his name. The jackal starts tearing up his back meat as Dennis takes Kalina's flair from her. I got to be honest. <laughs> that motherfucker was he, yeah. he was... he was getting at it. But the thing is, is that as the jackal's cutting some bacon off his back, yeah. he's just letting it happen. Oh, yeah. It's like he's, he's presenting he's, his spine. I, uh, he's like, remember me? <laughs> I wondered he's that too. It, yeah. I was like, why? He's not trying to get there. away. Yeah. Don't fight it. He's like, it's like with bears. Just, yeah. <laughs> Just curl into a ball. I guess. He's like holding the door frame for leverage and just letting it happen. Or he found a new kink. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of enjoying this. That's horrible. (laughs) They throw the flare. He's like, no, no, no. Let's do it. Hold on. on, on, Let him finish. Let him finish. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) But Dennis, I don't know if... To save Arthur or to disappoint Arthur, (laughs) throws the flare. Right. And the jackal disappears, (laughs) leaving Arthur on the ground. (laughs) Dennis yells at them to all run, but the pilgrimess has entered the chat. She advances on them as they run to the library, but they make it in the nick of time, slamming the door on her face. I will say, as this film's hero and defender Uh they do the slamming and like getting away just in time they do that a lot it's their only getaway (laughs) (laughs) 
Now comparatively safe in the library, Kalina and Dennis turn on each other. She tells him that all of this is his fault. Dennis is like, it was his uncle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe. See, that's why I'm like, why do I remember Matthew Lillard? Dennis. Being like, because yeah. there are those moments where he's like, don't laugh at me, where I'm like, I'll kill everyone in this room if they're being mean to you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. He's more good than bad. It's like, he put these ghosts here. But he didn't he did. know. But it's like 93.7. He, he yeah. caught them. He <laughs> like a lean, <laughs> lean <Yeah>. ground beef. <laughs> <laughs> He caught them. He didn't know what Cyrus was doing with all them. All right, all right. That's fair, I guess. But Kalina says that if Dennis hadn't found them, they wouldn't be trapped here. She asks how he could have helped Cyrus without knowing what he was doing, but Dennis says he had his reasons. Kalina identifies those reasons as money. He stole people's souls for money. Dennis tells her that in case she hasn't noticed, he's a little bit of a freak. If he gets within 10 feet of something dead, he goes into seizures. If he touches someone, a whole lifetime flashes in front of his eyes. He admits that he's depraved, but Cyrus was his friend and he accepted him. But Kalina laughs at him. She says that Cyrus was never his friend. He only used him. That seems to be a more fair assessment of their... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did not see them together for very long, but the way that he treated him. Yeah. Yeah. But Arthur tells them both to shut up. He says it doesn't make any difference now, but Kalina realizes that Dennis didn't tell him. Arthur asks what's going on, and Dennis pleads with Kalina. He says that no, he didn't tell Arthur, and to please not do this because he doesn't need to know. If you're saying this in front of me, well, I fucking gotta know now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too late. Yeah. She says that Arthur has a right to know about the fourth ghost, and Arthur asks, what about the fourth ghost? I thought she was going to be the four, the 13th ghost. I'm, fucking, <laughs> I'm planning sequels, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was. it was going to be the big twist. Yeah. So to hear that she was number four kind of caught me off guard. It is. Yeah, that was a bit weird. Right? It is yeah. weird, especially when they're like, it, like they're more evil. The fr- I'm like, Gene is number four? Yeah. yeah. Like, Bitch, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> but Kalina says St. Luke's Hospital six months ago. Arthur begins to breathe hard. He asks if Jean's spirit is trapped in this house. Dennis just says that he didn't know Arthur. He didn't know her. He didn't even know she had a husband. Arthur punches Dennis in the face so hard that they both hit the floor. (laughs) (laughs) He asks him why, but Dennis says that he doesn't know. Cyrus handpicked all of the ghosts, including Jean. He says that ever since he realized who Arthur was, he's been trying to help him. And he has. Yeah. Yeah. Arthur flips the script now and says that Kalina's right. This is all your fault. (laughs) It's like you were just defending him. Now it's personal, I guess. I guess. Kalina says that Arthur can still save Gene and get his kids back, but he needs to listen to her. This isn't a house. It's a machine faithful to Basilius's design. According to the book, there should be 12 earthbound spirits trapped inside the machine. Each of them represent the Black Zodiac. That's a great nickname. Oh, hell yeah. Start calling me the Black Zodiac. (laughs) (laughs) Just sounds like you're a serial killer. Well, it doesn't matter. We never caught him. Hey, get past it. (laughs) (laughs) She shows drawings of each of them. The firstborn son, the torso, the bound woman, the withered lover who is Jean, the torn prince, the angry princess, the pilgrimess, the great child and the dire mother, the hammer, and the sign of hell's winter, the jackal, and the juggernaut. 
Okay, Hell's Winter again. Fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah this good is band cool. name. Very cool. Yes. And the drawings I did want to mention, they said on commentary, were designed from scratch. Hmm. And they were kind of the inspirations for what would go on to become. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. Which is very cool. Hell yeah. yeah. But they said that the sketches themselves that are used on film were inspired by Da Vinci's sketches. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. And All you can right. kind of see it. Yeah, yeah, you can. But when she mentions each of them, we get a flash of what we have seen of them so far. Kalina says that the machine needed the energy of these specific spirits to bring the machine to life. Once it's alive, the spirits will be released one by one and drawn to the center of the house. The energy of each ghost is added to the machine, powering it up to open the ocularis infernum, the eye of hell. This is enough for Maggie, who bemoans being stuck in this house with a bunch of crazy white people. Which is not wrong. <laughs> Arthur asks Kalina to continue, so she does. She says that in hell, there is an eye that sees all, past, future, heaven and earth, the blessed and the damned. Knowledge is power, so whoever controls the ocularis would be the most powerful man on earth, and that would be Cyrus. Arthur asks how many ghosts have been set free, and Kalina says that 11 have, but the house needs 12. Dennis disputes this, remembering that Damon said something about a 13th ghost. Kalina says that the 13th ghost is just a failsafe. To stop the process, the house needs a sacrifice of life instead of a sacrifice of death. It has to be a willing human sacrifice, the sacrifice of the broken heart. But then it's not a failsafe. It's a necessary part of the... To stop it, yeah. though. A failsafe? That's not what a failsafe is, is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Kalina said it was. <laughs> I thought a failsafe was like if you, you know, like I, I'll, I forget my key, so my failsafe is I got a key under the mat. I thought right. that was a failsafe. So well, it's, well, yeah, if something goes wrong, I've got this here. Well, maybe she's so right. Something yeah. goes wrong to stop it. Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> <laughs> as you were, Kalina. Yeah. <laughs> she says the thirteenth ghost would be the only one who was created out of an act of pure love. Dennis realizes that that means Arthur is the 13th ghost. Kalina says that the 13th ghost stands before the eye of the configuration. And as it opens, the 13th ghost uses the power of life to short circuit the system. It's like I you're saying it in like this really flowery way, but yeah. we all know what that means. Uh, yeah. Arthur asks how this is done. And Kalina's like, oh, by leaping into the eye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Wow. I like the way you said it the first time better. Yeah. Maggie tells Kalina that that's not happening. And she tells Arthur that it's suicide. She refuses to let it happen. She's being very nice to him after he's been very mean to her the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, she's got a heart of gold. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe he's been stressed out. Maybe they usually have a, like a better things aren't as bad because yeah. they've not been good yeah we saw him on the morning where he kicked a scooter so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nobody's finest oh, moment no, to be honest no, not at all but kalina ignores maggie and tells arthur that love is the most powerful energy to save his children arthur will have to trade his life for theirs it's not funny but the fact that she was like no there is a way to get them back and then yeah. she says that like it's no big deal and then she's like you do have to die though. yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, the okay so i'm not it. getting them back no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they'll come back yeah dennis takes the book from kalina and looks through it saying that there's got to be a better way than that but he can't read the latin Kalina says that there's still her personal favorite way to end things, but no one will be around to brag about it after they're done. She dumps her dynamite onto the table. 
she says that whatever they're going to do, they need to do it fast because time is running out. Maggie asks if she really wants to blow the place up. And Kalina says that the last ghost is about to be released. Yeah. And you just said Arthur wasn't going to do it. So yeah. What, yeah. what other choice do we That's have? That's all we got. Yeah. Dennis tries to reason with Arthur, telling him that he understands why he thinks he needs to do this. But Arthur just tells Dennis to get away from him. Dennis doesn't, though. He says that psychics call what Dennis experiences a link. He says that he linked with Arthur earlier and he saw everything about him and Jean. Arthur tells him again to shut up, refusing to hear anything that he has to say. Arthur walks toward the glass wall and Dennis follows him, reiterating that what Kalina is saying is suicide. But Arthur says he'll do anything he has to if it will save his kids. Dennis says that it doesn't make sense, though. There has to be a better way. Arthur says that none of this makes sense, but all he can think about are his kids. He doesn't even know if they're alive. Dennis proposes that they go out there and try to find out one last time while they still have time. The two of them. Very noble. Yes. Yeah. Kalina is busy readying her explosives and Arthur asks if no matter what happens to them, she's sure she has a way to stop it. Kalina assures them that she has enough explosives to blow them back to the 15th century. He asks how many flares she has left and Kalina says that she has one. Arthur tells them that they're going back out again. Maggie isn't trying to hear it, positive that Arthur will get himself killed, but Arthur says he won't if he has that. He points to one of the glass walls with the Latin spells etched into it. We cut to Arthur and Dennis removing the wall. They hold it in front of them as Kalina opens the door for them to leave the library. You don't see her say this, but you hear her say, we'll go down to the basement to buy you more time. And I was like, they definitely added that because in the next scene, they're in the basement. And I do not know why. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly piped in. Yes. And I will say, if these walls are that easy to dislodge, why do we never do this before? Yeah, no shit. Um, because. Nay. (laughs) (laughs) You're taking that posture again. (laughs) Kalina tosses her last flare into the basement before dropping down and helping Maggie down. Dennis chants, there's no place like home, as he and Arthur hold the glass out in front of them and walk down the hallway. Arthur tells him to stay on the lookout. Now, again, this is another sequence where we are going to be jumping back and forth a lot. Maggie and Kalina come upon the remains of the lawyer split in half before Kalina finds the heart of the house, the room with the giant gears. Maggie has not seen a corpse yet tonight, I don't think. But um, no. she underreacts to seeing yeah. a man split in half. You yeah. know what? <laughs> it's like he did split. She's yeah. seen, <laughs> I was right. She's seen uh, the hammer at this point. So I think, okay. I think the shock's gone. Like That's fair. As Dennis and Arthur walk down the hallway, the levers pull again and another pane of glass slides open. We see a bat tap on the floor before the torn print swings and hits the glass Dennis and Arthur hold in front of them. They keep hold of it as the torn prince continues to swing and hit it. Downstairs, we see someone with a cane approaching Maggie. Mm. She screams at Kalina to hurry up because the flare isn't deterring him. Kalina turns toward them and smiles. We get a shot of the torn prince still beating the shit out of the pane of glass before seeing Kalina again. She raises the giant book and hits Maggie across the head with it. I was very, I've seen this and I was still. I told John Paul that last night. I was like, as many times as I've seen this, I was still like, (gasps) yeah. (laughs) So this is what we call a heel turn. Hey, (laughs) you're learning. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I will say in the original script, they had said that this heel turn moment was for Maggie. Huh. And I guess. Honestly, 
I don't know. I'm split in half about that. I'm as split as the lawyer about that. Because well, it's an interesting take because to me, Kalina, there there had to be a lot. She must have gone to a dramatic arts school. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah She's yeah. an incredible actress. Because what she did with uh, her boyfriend earlier. Yeah. And, uh, well, my thing is about, about Maggie is, I mean, we don't know a lot about Kalina either, but we don't, I don't feel like we get enough of Maggie's story to we don't justify no. that. No, I, I, and to me, I feel like Kalina has no motivation to side with. No, no, and that's the thing is like spoiler alert: we don't find out when this happened. Yeah, no, at um, all. If at the beginning when she was like spitting at him, if that was real, like yeah, we, we, we do not know. No, I guess it wasn't because of something she says later. Exactly. But still, oh, we he don't just like that. We don't. <laughs> God, <laughs> everything go to us. <laughs> don't stop with the kings. What? <laughs> a little decorum. <laughs> no decorum. Me. A gavel. He <laughs> told don't. her to spit in his face before all that. <laughs> all right. He's like, and then I, when we get yeah. to this part, <laughs> what what does that do? It was just all do it. Yeah. yeah. It'll. Uh, they'll really think you hate me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <It's, Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the rails are at this point because we're so far off of them absolutely but maggie hits her head again on the wall on her way down she falls next to the new arrival's feet we finally see y'all that it's cyrus but again he's still wearing the same outfit he was wearing at the beginning of the film his throat still bleeding onto his white shirt kalina looks up at him and smiles she removes her glasses and cyrus is still there he's, he's alive oh, hooray. no right no no no, no not hooray. no no no, we don't, no not, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <we're> not. <laughs> he switched teams real fast no, no. <laughs> right no oh boo yeah. yeah they kiss until he yanks the book away from her and pushes her away making her fall into a chair so again them kissing i'm like this is not this makes no sense no to me. it's it's confusing and my thing about the i keep bringing up his outfit because why why is he still wearing that? Why is his throat still pretend cut? That's why I was like, yeah. why, how long How long would the um, newspaper take to talk about his yeah. death? Because <laughs> why change your clothes? Yeah. And I think the thing is for me is that that means that Kalina had to apply that makeup at the junkyard. Oh, yeah. She did have her bag with her. Maybe she had her little SFX kit. Piece of metal. But, yeah. uh, right. <laughs> yeah, piece of metal just put in there. Um. The only reason I can think of, because no, none of them saw him that night. The only yeah. one that would have seen him was Dennis. So is he wearing that in the off chance that not only does Dennis see him, but Dennis is wearing the glasses <laughs> when he sees him? Oh, hey, and he Cyrus. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. It's, it's like things that are like only for us, only for the audience. It's like, okay, but practically it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. No, and even on commentary, they said, and then for Cyrus's ghost makeup, I'm like, he's not a ghost. <laughs> yeah, he's not. <laughs> he's not a ghost. <laughs> he looks through the book and begins to yell, asking her where it is. She asks why he's angry with her. She did everything he asked her to do. She killed Damon. She stole his spells. She kept Arthur alive. He shows her a hollowed out piece within the book and asks her where the spells are. She presents them and confirms that he's not mad at her. His whole attitude changes and he assures her that he isn't. 
Upstairs, Dennis begins to seize as he's hit with flashes again. He is doubled over in a corner with Arthur, but he looks up to see the hammer walking down the hall toward them. He concludes that there is only room for one person behind the wall that they're carrying. He shoves Arthur into the corner and wedges the wall in, trapping Arthur behind the glass. Arthur pleads with Dennis not to do this, but he says he doesn't mind. He's been looking for a reason to like himself for a long time. He calls out to the hammer, calling him a bitch, and the hammer swings, hitting the glass that Arthur hides behind, and Dennis is like, too fast, and knocks out of the way. For some reason, when he calls him a bitch, he grabs his wiener. He di- yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to talk about well, that. Well, I just, <laughs> I assumed it was to stop all the piss. Oh, I thought yeah. maybe it was his kink. Oh, no. Me. <laughs> Not you too. Come on. It's contagious. I'm, I'm leaving the show. <laughs> Happy Halloween! It's our last episode. (laughs) Downstairs, the levers pull on their own and another door slides open. This was the door containing the juggernaut. He looks around before making his way upstairs and straight toward Dennis. Dennis stands with his back to the glass that Arthur hides behind. He is distracted by the terrifying sight of the juggernaut and the hammer takes this opportunity to swing at Dennis, hitting his hand. Dennis goes down, screaming. When he looks up, both the hammer and the juggernaut stand over him. As he stares in awe at the juggernaut, the hammer clobbers him, causing him to fall to the ground, bleeding, just like we saw in his vision earlier. The same angles and everything. Also in line with the vision, the juggernaut snatches Dennis up and begins to whoop his ass, slamming him from wall to wall until his glasses fall off, broken. He lifts Dennis up over his head before breaking his back against a corner. That's not fair. Where's no. the ref? This is supposed to be a tag match. <laughs> that, that was not yeah, a good fight. What the yeah, fuck? you didn't say that that was... This is a slobber knocker now. <laughs> what the fuck? That was Jim hard. Yeah. Like, you son yeah, of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Juggernaut, why? <laughs> <laughs> that was hard to look at when he breaks oh, his ass. Yeah. yeah, that's tough. But Dennis falls to the ground dead. The Juggernaut looks over at Arthur, still behind the glass. Back in the basement, Kalina asks what the next step is. She tells him that she's convinced Arthur to sacrifice himself for his kids, but he's not going to do it unless he really thinks they're in jeopardy. Cyrus gives the simple answer. Put them in jeopardy then. (laughs) That's your family, dude. (laughs) This is too much for even Kalina, who tries to reason with Cyrus. They're only kids. Cyrus says, fuck them kids. (laughs) Greatness requires sacrifice. He says that he has a job to do and caresses Kalina's face before telling her to go do hers. She rushes off, leaving him to finish his job. He presses play on a recording of chanting. In the room with the circle floor, every ring is spinning now. The middle sinks into the ground. Upon hearing the chanting, the ghosts upstairs disappear, leaving Arthur alone behind the protection of the glass. He drops to the ground, sobbing until he is approached by Jean. She stands in front of the glass as Arthur rises up to his feet. He sobs, telling her how much he misses her and that he's nothing without her. He puts his hand against the glass and she places hers opposite his. The Latin glows on the wall and the chanting continues, causing Jean to disappear. Downstairs, Cyrus and Kalina start to leave the room together, but he tells her to go back and get the book. (laughs) She does and starts to follow him out again, but before she can catch up to him, Cyrus pulls a lever. 
A glass divider slides into place between the two of them, and another one starts to press in on Kalina. She asks what he's doing, and he just strolls away, reminding her that greatness requires sacrifice. The wall continues to push in on Kalina until her head collapses and blood flows over her face. Now, come on. All right. (laughs) Cartoonishly. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And he's even monologuing to himself. Yeah. I've told you. Yeah. Like, what is this? That was for him. That was for him. Is this because she didn't want to put the kids in peril? Like, is that. He's like, you're not. Shit. Yeah. We can't hang. (laughs) We are not the same. Upstairs, the middle part of the circle comes back up with Kathy and Bobby tied to the center of it. Now some of the rows lift and spin around them, razor sharp. Arthur sees them and pushes the glass away, freeing himself. Bobby and Kathy scream for help when Arthur enters the room. He starts toward them but hesitates, putting on the glasses. Around the spinning center, holding his children captive, are all 12 ghosts, all spinning slowly around the configuration. They chant as Bobby asks Arthur to make it all stop. Arthur looks around for options and sees Cyrus standing at the end of the hall (laughs) watching him. He hears Kalina's words, reminding him that this isn't a house. It's a machine designed by the devil and powered by the dead. He listens as she recites the 12 ghosts of the black Zodiac again, the ghost that Cyrus needed. He counts them off. The firstborn son, the torso, the bound woman, the withered lover, the torn prince, the angry princess, the pilgrimess, the great child and the dire mother, the hammer, the jackal, and the juggernaut. In black and white. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't quite sure. And that did make me laugh. (laughs) He remembers Dennis (laughs) telling him that he's the 13th ghost. I don't know why it was in black and white because we've remembered things in this film already. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Never been. But that was, I don't know, that little touch fucking killed me. But faced with the 12 ghosts in front of him and the knowledge that he is supposed to be the 13th, Arthur looks back at Cyrus and takes his glasses off. Cyrus is still there. <laughs> this Man. would have been a huge moment if we didn't already know that. Right. Exactly. I think that's the thing is that even him counting the ghosts, we've been through that. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's like her direct monologue was lifted and just placed again. Yeah. It's like, are we trying to reach feature length? You can tell me. Yes. <laughs> Be honest. He yells and advances on Cyrus, running at him and using his own cane to jack him up on the wall before putting an ass whooping on him. Cyrus fights back, though, getting Arthur on the ground and kicking him, telling him that he's nothing and a loser. That's, that's pretty mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's really like, mean. Of all the things he's done, it was like a loser. That's, yeah. that's beyond the pale. <laughs> he brags about dedicating every waking moment of his entire life to this moment. When Arthur has never shown that kind of dedication, he goes, have you? Have you? <laughs> and he says it the same way both times. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a soundboard. I think they just hit a button. <laughs> it reminded me of when you were talking about Billy and Black Christmas. Oh. Like, that, that. Where's the baby? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot. <laughs> have you? Have, have you? you? He tells Arthur that the world doesn't have time for people like him. Only people who will do anything for greatness. He presses his cane into Arthur's clavicle. 
Arthur tries to take it away, but just the outside comes off to reveal a sword inside, <laughs> which he holds up to Arthur again. He's like, I should not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I see the error. <laughs> He tells him that he has no choice. The 13th ghost needs to be a ghost created out of an act of pure love. Arthur thinks back to sitting with Jean and watching the kids play as Cyrus tells him that that's why he picked his pathetic family. The memories were not in black and white. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a dealer's choice. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm defending it. <laughs> <laughs> Only the really important stuff gets mm, to be black and white. Fair enough. He congratulates him on becoming the 13th ghost. So the 13th ghost doesn't stop it? It's actually needed or what? That's Yeah, I think that's really what it was. So they she were just trying lied. to trick him into, into doing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> she just, <laughs> just keeps shrugging? Yeah. <laughs> See, she said fail safe. I think that she yeah, meant that. it. <laughs> the recording of the chanting begins to skip, and we see that Maggie is messing with the levels on the boards that sh- that is playing it. I need to say <laughs> how much I, you hate this. I feel some type of way about it being a black woman doing this. About that sound. Yeah. Being the sound when it's like when fucking, it would not be. It would not be yeah. that sound. Yeah. And I think that someone in the sound booth made it that sound. Yeah. Because of who's doing it. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like it. Yeah, I didn't appreciate that either. And the fact that the recording is playing right in front of her. Uh-huh. And yeah. then after she does that, she just yanks it out and then it stops. Oh, okay. It's like, I don't, I don't understand why, why you wouldn't try that first. You're but, turning you know. down the trouble for no reason. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but when she removes it, all the ghosts disappear. She desperately begins to pull random levers, causing the house to shift again and the huge collection of gears behind her to start to grind on each other. Suddenly, the ghosts all advance on Cyrus. Arthur puts his glasses on and watches while they lift Cyrus up and he screams. Collectively, they throw him into the raised up rings around the kids and he is severed into multiple pieces and flung toward us. Pretty good. Yeah. Got the job done. I would have liked a little more. Um, you remember like the Married with Children episode of Futurama? Oh, yeah. When like all of his wives are like whooping his ass and yeah. like passing him back and forth. That would have been pretty cool to like see like her get at him with the knife a little bit, him get at him, get at him with the bat a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean? Instead of just like heave ho. <laughs> oh, kind of like Halloween ends. Let's uh Evil dies tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a given. You know yeah. what I mean? My thing is exactly that. <laughs> I feel like this entire ending is rushed like oh, no yeah. other. No. It, I mean it does feel a little fast. Like Yeah, because they're just like bye. Yeah. <laughs> just, he's dead now. We only have this glass house till <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> Dennis appears in the hallway, smiling and cleaning his glasses. Again, very Pritchett. Pritchett. Yes. Yeah. He tells Arthur to trust him that it's not over yet, but he has the power to finish this. It just depends on how he uses the power. He tells Arthur to go get his kids because they need him. The raised pieces of the configuration are malfunctioning and lay flat for a second before raising back up again. Arthur times this jump like fucking double dutch and (laughs) flies over the platform while it's flat. The house begins to explode around them, glass shattering and walls coming down. They actually destroyed the house. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. It's like we got one shot. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur holds onto his kids tight as the house implodes and nothing is left standing but the frame. Outside the house, the ghosts walk away before disappearing into the trees. 
In the original script, the ghosts became all normal and happy again and walked away freely. Mm. But everyone's like, what the fuck? I don't <laughs> like that. Some of these guys were killers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your love has broken the curse. Yeah, uh, uh. None of that. Terrible. Of that. Take a lap. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> this is better because they're, they're, where are they going now? Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's right. Scary. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe he lives next door to you. Oh, shit. Inside, the broken configuration spins lazily around Arthur, Kathy, and Bobby. Dennis smiles in approval as he stands, still cleaning his glasses before disappearing. Kathy asks how he knew they would be safe here, and Arthur admits that he didn't. It's like, Dad, why'd you just fucking jump over yeah. here? <laughs> well, when he lands, it's like, oh, cool, now we're all inside exactly, the Exactly, yeah. now we're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> cool, Dad, awesome. Well, I mean, at least on the quay, wasn't like, I knew the whole time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Look, that we were going to die together. Yeah, he's I, mean, like, I, I do not know. Well, and when he gets there, he's like, put your heads down. They're like, our heads were down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're making it harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he says he just wasn't about to leave them. He tells his children that he loves them and hugs them. Bobby looks up to see that there is one ghost still circling the platform. It's Gene, not burned and hospitalized, but healthy. So I guess one ghost got yeah. to return. I don't know the <laughs> rules. It doesn't matter. Okay. It's in the Latin. Mm. He calls out to his mom and the family looks at each other. She telepathically tells them that she loves them before disappearing. In the basement, dirty and traumatized, Maggie loudly apologizes to the family as she says that she's on the first plane back to Newark. She's tired of this nanny shit. None of this was in her job description, and she quits. I don't know how Maggie survived because the basement is full of glass. Yeah. <laughs> I, good for her. But the credits roll as Mirror Mirror by Raw Digga plays. <laughs> What I hoped was that this was her epilogue and she's not a nanny. She's a rapper now. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, that awoken something in yeah. me. Yeah. I was like, chase your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you guys think of 13 Ghosts? Oh, I love it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it, it, it is, uh, your sister said it earlier, it's the ghosts. Like, yeah. it, it, they look so good. And, yeah, the 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 story's pretty muddy. It's a little weird, um, <laughs> but I feel like everything else, uh, uh, like how you talked about the house and knowing all of that that they built that shit, like yeah. that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you don't look too hard and just kind of watch it, <laughs> take it for what it is. And I will, I will say that watching it as a kid is going to kind of blind me from the rest of that other stuff. And I mean, I, I can also understand why if people watch this, they're like, that's pretty fucking for sure. You know, that's nonsense. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I dig this shit. Uh -huh. So to me, I'm like, man, this is great. I know it's got problems. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I know. Like I said, before, when we started, I did. I told your sister, I was like, man, if we wouldn't have seen this as kids, I understand. Like, Let's be no. honest. Yeah, I understand. Like uh, watching it, if you watched it for the first time ever today, yeah. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> be like, oh man, the 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 creatures looked great. And then, but, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I think there there's a lot of fun to be had here. Some of it is intentional, some of it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. For me, like as a kid, I loved this movie. Yeah. As adult me, I wouldn't say that it's a great film. Right. Exactly. But I see why people have a lot of reverence for it. Yeah. yeah. I still do have a lot of nostalgia for it. This won't be the last time that I watch it. Oh. But, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it's a little convoluted. Yeah. yeah. Um, nostalgia plays a big role, just like you said, both of y'all said. Um, I still love this. I have always loved this since I was young and we saw it. But now watching it again, it's like, oh, this is a guilty pleasure. Yeah. It's like, I'm not. <laughs> this is one that like you watch privately. <laughs> but that's okay. Like, I will definitely watch this again. I will enjoy it again. Right. Um, this is always because of how important it was to me when I was younger. This is always going to be a movie that I love. And yeah, you can be like, oh, well, like the plot doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And a lot of things um, fall apart halfway through. And yeah, you're right. Uh -huh. But I don't really care that much yeah. <laughs> because of how much this meant to me when I was younger. And again, how in awe I am of the effects that they were able to accomplish. Uh -huh. It's just like mind boggling to yeah. me. This is still looks so good. And for the time that it was made and a lot of the movies that came out around this mm -hmm. time, it's like, damn, like yeah. it's impressive. Yeah. But I guess we can go into ratings. Sure. Uh, <laughs> like I said, uh, good or bad. <laughs> I love this. It's a lot of fun. I am pretty tired from having to defend it for the last <laughs> <laughs> eight hours or however fucking however long, long this episode's going to be. <laughs> um, it's just a lot of fun. I love Matthew Lillard. I know that all of us here do. Um, he's really great in this. I think that the family and Maggie, I think their characters fall a bit flat. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, Kalina's intentions don't really make a hell of a lot of sense. No. I think <laughs> that Cyrus is cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Um, but all of that to me is overshadowed by the ghosts, by the effects, mm -hmm. by kind of digging in and learning more about their backstories. Even the ones that aren't totally great to me, it's so fun kind of like digging into the lore. Right. Um, I just really love this. It's just, it's, it's loads of fun. You cannot take it too seriously. You cannot ask too many questions. Can't ask any questions. <laughs> you don't ask anything. You know what? You're right. Don't ask any questions. Just be quiet and enjoy the film. You should have said that in our intro. <laughs> <or whatever. Yeah. laughs> this episode would have been a lot shorter. Um, and that's another thing. I had so much fun talking about it with you guys that it honestly, it makes me love it even more. Oh, yeah. Because mm. now this is going to be tied to the nostalgia that I feel for it. Yeah. Um, I have fun. I can honestly say I have fun every single episode that we record. Oh, yeah. This one was even more fun <laughs> than, than usual. Um, so all that being said and considered mm -hmm. on a scale of one to 10 pairs of spectral spectacles. <laughs> wow. You're welcome for that one. <laughs> I am going to give 13 ghosts eight out of 10. <laughs> close your mouth. Holy pairs, <laughs> <laughs> pairs of spectral spectacles. This movie is so like weirdly special to me. It's in that same vein. Like I said, of, House on Haunted Hill 99, yeah. hmm. which is one of the movies from my childhood that scared the living fuck out of me. This one didn't scare me like that, but I was in awe of what they did in this. Yeah. To the point where, yeah, I don't remember Kalina turning heel. Like, no, I, I do not. At all. <laughs> so, I mean... Good or bad, that's my score. I, <laughs> I'm getting an eyebrow from T. I don't even care. <laughs> I will now open up the floor to you. Uh, no, I, I, 
I'll be honest. I kind of feel the same way. I had this DVD myself. Uh-huh. Both of, both and, of his uh, eyebrows went yeah. up. <laughs> I also purchased this DVD when it came out. Uh-huh. Um, I I did enjoy it. And yeah, I think... I think for me, it's kind of the same thing like your sister said. It's the effects and how great everything looks. If you told me, like, all you said, the, the stuff that was CGI, right. get the fuck out no, of here. Yeah. Like, I would never, ever think that. Like, now, like hearing that is like, stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that, too, learning about it being a remake and the glasses and everything it had to do, like... And then that too, us talking about it, like this was a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, the the movie's story is is pretty shit. But it's hold on, <laughs> hold on. Nobody said shit. Well, wow. <laughs> it it it's there, kind of. It. I mean that. But the movie is a good time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're into shit like this and you can get past the rest of it, just watching it and seeing it. <laughs> if you I can mean, get past I'm. <laughs> Well, I mean, because it is, there's, there's a lot of questions. And then, and then if you're sitting there like trying to dig too deep or look for answers, you're just going to hurt the movie. Right. You know what I mean? Just watch it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's what the ghosts, that's what you're there for. That's right. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so for me on a scale from one to 10 pairs of spectral spectacles, thank Nailed you it. for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm also going to give 13 ghosts an eight. Good lord. I, uh, I I do and that that is to I was old enough Good to lord. like I was what well, I was like what, 16 17 maybe 17 when this came out. Right. Um it is something that it I can remember being in my apartment. Oh, what do I want to watch? Put 13 Ghosts on. Uh-huh. When I when it came out to DVD and I went and bought it, I'm like, oh, I bought the motherfucker at Walmart. I was like, oh <laughs> hell yeah. And it is there's there's uh no sex in this. There's really no real nudity. Well, you know what I mean? Just well, the angry princess. Right. But I mean Well, and there was sex, I guess, when Arthur was getting, well, well, <laughs> getting his back yeah. blown out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well that's, that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, that got a whole ass point by itself. Uh, are they gonna cross over with Hellraiser and <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> hey, hey, there you go. <laughs> Honestly, the world's might mix. Oh man, pretty I well. I, movie, yeah. Arthur finds the box. Hey. <laughs> then he breathes on it. Yeah. Or that could have been in Cyrus's artifacts. Oh, yeah. hey. We're helping them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> I love that for you guys. <laughs> I truly do. And the thing is, is that I, I know that there was a part of me a long time ago that loved the hell out of this movie. No, yeah. I think that the the negatives are kind of overpowering my nostalgia. <laughs> no, I get it. Wow. Because I was I was really really I thought we were going to rewatch this and I was going to love the fuck out of it. Yeah. And there were going to be no complaints and I was going <laughs> to give it a super high score and then I watched it and I was like, wow, the story really just Yeah. kind of no, falls no, apart yeah. and the characters uh they don't matter. Yeah. No, they Especially don't. for the opening, the way we got the opening to yeah. the movie. Yeah. Like I I don't know. It it's upsetting to me, but I'm very happy for both of you. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Uh, I agree, though, 100%. The positives, the creature design, yeah, production design, uh, fucking Matthew Lillard, mm-hmm. yeah, giving it his all, F. Murray Abraham, yeah. Im- Imbeth Davids, yeah. she's always great, mm-hmm. but um, the negatives, man, <laughs> <laughs> the motivations of any of the characters. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the behavior of any of the characters. Yeah. The script. There's something there. I feel like, you know, they did take a lot of things out of that original script that would have hurt this even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they really just don't like this. The end is rushed so much. It is. Like it's un it's unbelievable <laughs> to me. <laughs> I'm trying to No, yeah. Yeah. I think look, a lot of people love this movie, so I'm not trying to like piss anyone off. A lot, a lot of yeah, people hate but, it too. Yeah. I, I think that the characters are kind of dull. And both are right. They are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. both are right. Yeah. That's the thing. Um I think that it's kind of it ended up kind of just being all right. Yeah. For me. It's a very fun movie. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I can't in my mind rank it with my favorites or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. Right. I think here's, here's the other thing that I was thinking as well. I think that if we're talking dark castle house on haunted hill is just way more for me. House on okay. haunted hill yeah. is way scarier. It's yeah. Again, we had talked a lot on talk mortem about films that we covered early on that we kind of felt a little bit of pressure to not rate you know what i mean yeah Yeah. to rate from like a global perspective instead of us personally exactly that would that would be a lot higher i think honestly i might i would probably i don't remember what i rated house on haunted i don't either but but i know it wasn't like high enough yeah it would be a 7.5 or an 8 yeah i think but for me on a scale from one to (laughs) ten pair of spectral spectacles i am going to have to give 13 ghosts 5.5 5.5 <gasps> pairs of spectacles something I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the fuck yeah, whatever it was. The fuck it was. Look, I look, I I have said it honestly quite a few times this month just because the score is low it doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch it again. Right. That's the thing. I kind of agonize over coming up with the number and I just tell myself that kind of what we say through the episode and like before we give the rating I think is more important than the number yeah because that doesn't always fully reflect yeah. I think I at least I tell myself that because the pressure's too much yeah <laughs> right. that's true if well, I don't you know what honestly I, I think this is the, in the first time in Podmortem history <laughs> I, I think I do want to change something really quick because I do appreciate the extra effort they put in to give all the ghosts the extra backstories yes okay. even if they didn't end up in the film it only made the designs better for yeah. sure I'm going to change a 5.5 to a 6 okay all right i feel like a six i can live with that yeah yeah i will say i probably gave a full ass extra point for the ghosts so yeah. did i <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that's all from us at pod mortem what would you rate 13 ghosts and what should we watch next let us know on twitter at the pod mortem be sure to follow us on instagram and like us on facebook be sure to follow each of us on twitter at blood and smoke at real streeter 84 and at travis mwh Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, when your power is built on the sacrifices of others, the day may come when you're forced to pay the same price. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And happy Halloween, y'all. Happy Happy Halloween. Halloween. Yes. A special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, 
Aplanon Taveras, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Aliff, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Ashley Weidman, Angelica Cornelius Witt, Valerie G, JSL, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jace OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Ambular Belladonna, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, and Girl That's Scary. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Thank you all. Yeah, so thank much. you. We really couldn't do it without y'all, and we are juggernaut kidding about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was one of the, yeah. the ghosts yeah, had a good from story. 13 Ghosts. Yeah. From the film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the motion picture. Yeah. <laughs> Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> yeah. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>